Citizens of the Universal Century, hello, and welcome to episode four of Three Times Faster, a Gundam podcast. I'm your host, fresh out of three days in the brig, Justin Meter, and joining me as always, my co-host, he is the secret hiding in Makuve's minds and the apple of Hammond's eye, resident expert, Sean Fitzgerald. I love how much fun you have coming up with these dumb little, they're, they're don't stop. Thank you. It's... <laughs> Much like the episode titles, this is the more we do this, the harder it's going to be. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, I'm running out of all the ideas. Some of them are going to come real easy. Some of the episode titles and some yes. of these things based on what we watch, like like this episode title came pretty easily. Yeah. Um, Very natural. The next one might also come pretty easily. I think so. Uh, but these intros might be get, might get a little hard. This one came easy for me. Now, this one did. I yeah. think the last one. With, may have been one that I I wrote quite a few takes on, or there was there was an episode where I wrote a ton of different stuff. I was like, this all sucks. I, the last one wasn't my best work. The first but. one, I I might have torpedoed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we talked. I thought we literally talked about this during the last podcast okay. a, a little bit, but I am just going to say it. Sure. In the first intro, I think it was, it might have been the intro podcast, or it might have been episode one. Right. I referred to myself as the new type new guy. Mm-hmm. And I had added that to my Twitter bio and Instagram. And I was like, Oh, I like that. I'm going to stick with that. Well, I'll be, right. Cause it makes sense. Like I'm, I'm new to the series. I know the new types exist. Yeah. So we need to record another intro because we only recorded one. We, the episode yes. zero and episode one, we, we, we recorded rec- the, right. the same we recorded time. those episodes together and I split them, but we only did one intro. Right. And we go to sit down and he has the script up on the TV. And I like, all I say is I don't like that. Like, like, I, po- I like, point to new type. New you guy. were even you were even nicer about it than that. You were like, ah, I, don't, I, don't I don't really like, feel don't new really, type new yeah, guy. I don't really I don't like really. It. And he spiraled. Oh my down. god, it was the worst. <laughs> it was the worst. I literally, I think I spent like thirty minutes of just like panic. Could not. No, it's fine, Sean. It's fine. Episode. I just try to do things. That I just want you to be proud of me. <laughs> I just want you to be proud of me. But it's fine. It's fine. I mean, Sean, no, nothing I ever do is good enough. Sean, even though you're it's fine, even though you're younger than me, I, I didn't have a positive father figure in my life growing up. <laughs> And so you've become this, uh, absolutely spy. You've become, them. you've become ship dad for me. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, mental illness is awesome. Guys. <laughs> but how are you doing I'm, other than, other than dealing with that? How are you doing? I'm actually, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I, I like this batch of episodes. I'm excited for our Twitch stream today. We're going to start final fantasy seven. We are. Yeah. We, um, uh, we are about a week behind. We are, we're behind on the podcast. So the, why are we a week behind? Well, oh, let me tell you why. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, I threw out my back. You did. I did. So don't get old kids. This episode was supposed to be recorded the week of Easter, mm-hmm. which was last week. We try to do these a week before they go up. That gives me time to edit right. and make any promotion stuff that we're going to do. And, Instead. And the goal was actually to be two weeks ahead. That was what I wanted to do. Yeah. It's been difficult because we've been covering five episodes of the show uh, per podcast. Yeah. I mean, mostly to get through this first series because there's a lot of filler episodes, particularly the format of the original uh, series. It's right. the monster of the week kind of style. And it was like, yeah. ah, the other series have a lot more going on. So we'll, we'll deal with less episodes per Last weekend, the plan was to, to record, do some Twitch streaming. Right. And I was getting dressed that morning and I bent over to pick up a sock. And then my back just said, nah, you're going to go back to bed. <laughs> he was in a lot of pain. I went to go grab coffee and I came back and yeah. he's sitting in the living room with his wife and just like, not nah, just now today's yeah. not happening. Yeah. And I, you know, apologize profusely. It's okay. Hey, it's okay. 
Uh, I've injured my back once before. Not nearly as bad, I think, as you did. Yeah. Mine was more just sore for a while. But for me, it was just improper lifting. I just lifted something in a way that I should not have. A, a coworker of mine, and a, and a listener to this podcast, uh, shout out to Corwin, said to me the other day, I, I've never thrown out my back. I'm not sure what, like, what happens. Corwin's in much better shape than I am. <laughs> and I said, well, first, just so you know, first, usually there's a scream. <laughs> And then you collapse under your bed and your wife looks at you like, what the fuck just happened? And you look at her like, I don't know what just happened. (laughs) This has never happened before. This has never happened to me before either. I'm just as confused as you are. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) That was Saturday. Sunday, I went to the emergency room or urgent care called whatever it is. Because it was not getting better. We knew when we threw my back. We knew what it was. She was like, yeah, you throw out your back, you dumbass. Here's some muscle relaxers and uh, don't be a dumbass. <laughs> I feel for you. I'm, I'm glad you're you're mostly feeling I'm better. I'm mostly feeling better. It's particularly tight right now. Laying on the couch about an hour ago did not do me any favors. <laughs> Good. But we're fine now. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> we're all fine here. You want to just get into this? Yeah, I don't think there's anything else we really need to talk about. That that was basically what I wrote was like, hey, we're going to stream Final Fantasy VII and also being old sucks. <laughs> so I think uh, we'll jump into this. This week's episode, we are covering episodes 16 through 20 of Mobile Suit Gundam. This one starts off with episode 16 called Sailor's Agony. These episode titles, so brooding. They are. They don't get any less brooding. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. So we start off with White Base in the desert, and we find out that they're heading west across Central Asia at this point. Um, The crew has arrived at what Bright refers to as the appointed place at the appointed time. Mm -hmm. But there's no word from General Rebel. And as they're wondering why, Mirai kind of points out that, well, we probably wouldn't get a radio transmission out here because we are deep in Xeon territory. So we know that all of Asia at this point it seems is under Zeon control. Yeah, and not only that, everyone on the ship is fucking exhausted. They are. Narrator makes a point of bringing that up at the very beginning. Everyone's exhausted. The, be- the best they can do is just carrying out their duties. Yeah, you, you can tell that they need a break again, even though they just had their nice little relaxing beach vacation only a few episodes ago. Same spin. I don't know how long that is in universal century time. They're interrupted pretty quickly by a vehicle approaching the white base at high speed and bright Ryu and Sela get out and approach the vehicle, which is not slowing down as it approaches them. Bright fires off a couple of warning shots and then the vehicle comes to a stop and they come up to it and there's a Federation soldier inside who seems to be passed out at the wheel, which makes me wonder how he managed to stop. He's seen some shit and he, you know, he's obviously seen some better days. Yeah. And then we get some, some great military code. Yes, this is great. Bright runs like, hey, are you okay? Do butterflies fly in the desert? Butterflies in the desert? What? Oh, yeah, wait, code words. Uh, um, only the thorns of a cactus fly in the desert, sir. Oh, oh he's gone! Oh, yeah. he's no, gone. this is the guy. This is the one. <laughs> this is the guy. They'd worked out some sort of code. This was uh, a Federation soldier that was meant to deliver the message because, as Mira had just pointed out moments ago, yeah. they can't use radios because they're in Xeon territory. This is the style of television we're dealing with uh, in the 70s where everything is overtly explained rather than having some things like subtly be explained. That's good because I know you've known me for several years, but I'm dumb. Mm. And so (laughs) the explanations are great. Also, it's a kid show, so they need to over explain some things. Yeah, I'm kid shows is about my level. (laughs) So they they take this poor fella in for first aid. I, I have a note here, Sean, and this is going to happen a lot through this chain of episodes. Mm-hmm. We are going to learn the names 
of so many random dudes on white base that we did not know existed and we'll probably never hear from again. But thanks to the help of Sunmalo. Oh yeah, the the he's the medic. He's the medic. Yeah, that we've never met before. That we just hi, here he is. Who we've met but just didn't have a name for. Now we do. This this <laughs> reminds me of like when you would go to the store as a kid, like the toy aisle of you know your your Kmart or your Toys R Us or KB Toys. Yeah, KB. Kids, kids ask your parents. Yeah, <laughs> I mean shit. Kids ask your parents about Toys R Us, right? <laughs> but you would go down the toy aisle and you you know oh here's Michelangelo and Leonardo and then it's like some fucking named foot soldier or something like yeah there's all these like it just seems like oh we added all these characters and we gave them names that way we can put something on the packaging that we're gonna sell here's, right like here's, here's all the other white here's base all the crew. D-list, uh, crew yeah, yeah exactly yeah, we don't have to pay license. the kathy griffins of white base <laughs> oh shit <laughs> we don't have to pay licensing rights for their face exactly so. <laughs> exactly uh so th- this guy's pretty weak uh they, they, they take him in for first aid bright introduces himself and the soldier replies to Bright and says that Odessa Day is scheduled to take place in five days. So we learned earlier, I believe, that Odessa Day is the day that the Federation forces are invading Europe, I believe. They is, are invading Odessa, specifically. Okay. Um, so the, the map does check out. They are currently in, in South... They're yeah, they're in, in Central Asia. Central Asia, excuse yeah. me. You need to cross the Caspian Sea, then eventually the Black Sea to get to Odessa. Okay. So, as you just pointed out, uh, White Base is ordered to make its way across the Caspian Sea uh, before Odessa Day. And their job is to take the mines from Xeon Captain Makuve. They're a strategic asset. We don't know exactly what they're mining there, but White Base is, is ordered to shut them down to try and... They're basically trying to stop the resupply efforts to the Xeon forces. I, I'm assuming whatever they're mining is probably something that is used in the construction of mobile suits. Yeah, this is pretty typical military kind of right. strategy. Let's go for their supplies, their resources. Let's take that shit out. So once again, we have Amuro working on the Gundam while Frau is desperately begging him to eat. And even Haro is in on this shit now. Eat Amuro! Eat Amuro! Yeah. Eat Amuro! <laughs> and then there's discussions about salt. White Bay chef Tamura has informed Bright that they're running out of salt. And he describes this as a very critical asset, which obviously we know it is, to the health of the crew. Um, Mirai comes up with this plan, I think with the operators, to stop near a salt lake nearby. And there's this moment with Bright and Tamura where they just, they don't seem to know what a salt lake is. Like, I, I don't remember the exact context. I just remember Bright exclaiming in such a way, like, a salt lake? Like yeah. for a dude that was born on earth, you would think you would know what a salt lake is. You would, but at the same time, everyone was freaked out by lightning about three episodes ago. That's true. So. That's true. Uh, anyway, so that's kind of the running theme of the episode mm-hmm. is the cruise law on salt. The uh, chef Tamara needs it uh, to prepare their, their rations. Mm-hmm. And so they are going to make a pit stop at a salt lake somewhere in central Asia. So they have to deviate course. Yes. To do this. I wrote these down in my notes, and unfortunately, it's been so long since I watched this part of the episode because we did have that week delay in there. I don't remember the exact context, but I, I just remember. I, I remember these do you? notes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So we're getting some playful banter now between Mirai and Bright. Right. Some, some flirtation, <laughs> if you will. So I can't remember what exactly Bright says, but Mirai's response to it is, Assumptions is so unlike you. <laughs> right. And then Bright's response isn't like like stern, like commanding officers. I'm like, 
No laughing now. No laughing now, <laughs> honey. You. you. I'm going to punch you in the shoulder. So, you know, Old. the kids are watching. Right. <laughs> uh, these two are fucking. Oh, absolutely. This is, I, I saw I saw it in their eyes. I, I know what's up. They're, they're literally flirting over a salt lake. If you can flirt over a salt lake, you're banging. That's, yeah, that's, that's just fact. <laughs> that's how me and my wife met. We were flirting over, <laughs> over a salt, salt lake. And <laughs> the many native salt lakes in New Hampshire. We cut out from White Base to Rambaral and his lady friend, Hammond. Mm. And they're out in the desert in this giant, bright yellow tank-like vehicle that they refer to as a Gallop, which is a great name. Have, uh, these next few episodes have some great names for the ships. Yeah, there's a lot. The there's Gallop. A lot of them. Fucking fat uncle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big tray, fat uncle. Yeah. <laughs> they're looking for the Trojan horse. And Hammond suggests they contact Makuve because they're in territory controlled by Kaecilia. So Makuve reports directly into Kaecilia. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that Rambaral does not. I mean, everyone reports into Kaecilia, but I'm assuming that Rambaral does not directly. I, I think he may report into Girin, which is why he's out on this mission. He's either under Girin or Dozel's command. Like, oh, it could be Dozel, too. That's Dozel right. might have sent him out and as a. I think it's Dozel. He's their Rambaral's unit is literally referred to as Garma's revenge unit. Right. So his his mission is to to take out the white base in the Gundam. Right. So again, Hammond suggests, hey, maybe we should uh, contact Makuve because this is this is territory that's outside of uh, our, our. Yeah, these next few episodes, oversight. we get a good insight, even more insight into the kind mm-hmm. of character and man that Ramba Rawl is. Ramba Ron Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> I said it last time. I, I it's it's really good. Like I, I want that mock up so bad. I wish I could draw. Oh yeah, for sure. Maybe someday if we get. A decent listenership and people listen back to this episode someone will draw the rumba the ron rumba, swanson yeah. ron swanson in the yeah. blue xeon uniform yep i would love that so much <laughs> <laughs> so i'm operating under the assumption here that territory on earth is divided up under the zabi kids and kaecilia oversees asia they give uh, Makuve a call, but instead they get Enzin Uragang, and he picks up the call and he basically acts like he's Makuve's secretary Hammond's suspicious of Makuve. Rightfully so. Yeah. As well, as I think we'll she learn. even says like someone told me to be suspicious. Yeah. Of and Rama Ra is like, I don't have time for politics. Yeah. I don't care when, when this is done. I'm going back home. Yeah. He says, uh, as soon as we avenge Garma, we're going back to space. Yeah. Like he, he is done with earth and all of its shitty politics. Yeah. And I explain to you, they really get into Rawl, both Jimba Rawl and Rama Rawl in origin and the kind of characters they are. Uh, you were saying to me earlier before we recorded that Robert Raw is a really d- good dude. He, he is. is. He really is. That's going to be demonstrated. Uh, and they really, episodes. they really lean into that in the origin OVA. Gotcha. Yeah. The, I mean, we'll talk about it more when we get to some of the points that made me ponder that, you know, the character of Robert Raw. But what I'd said to you earlier was that most of the Xeon members that we have met so far, they kind of suck. They're either assholes or sociopaths or both. Right. Right. The only one who's even somewhat normal is Garma. And he just completely gets played by Shar. He's kind of a bumbling idiot a little bit, or he's, or he's too trusting of someone he thinks is his friend. A little narcissistic with a giant portrait of himself. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So he's got his quirks, but he's probably out of like, all of the soul aside from the um, well, even Shar is apologetic with his death. It's like, just blame the circumstances of your right. birth. No hard feelings, but you're a zombie and kind of fuck all zombies. Sorry. So sorry. I guess the two pilots there who, what did we call them? It was 
Big John and Little John. <laughs> That's right. right? <laughs> Big John. Big John's an RIT team. Yeah, he's a family man. But as Car- far Carver wanted to understand, like, he's, not, he's not a family man like me. Not like Big John. McGoofy kind of looks like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> he's got a bad face. He, he, he's. I wrote here. He's got a real mess addict vibe about yeah. his face. He's, like it's just. He's, he's got purple hair, and it's you. It looks like a skull. He's not the first person with purple hair. Garma had purple hair. No, that's true. But, but Garma was kind of a you know as far as cartoons drawings go, like he was drawn like a handsome dude, right? True. The fair. lady, the lady's fond well, over. Him. looks well. He looks like he is. He's a weaselly little fuck. It looks like if Garma went through a meth and then like uh, became a burn victim or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks like if Garma went through like a taffy stretcher. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's perfect. Um. He um, also super into antiques. Really likes that. Uh, yeah, well, that Chinese vase. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. Looks like a flicked vase. <laughs> just ding. We also learn immediately that Makube is up to something yeah. when Uragang delivers the message from Ramba Rall to him. If it wasn't obvious by Makube's looks yeah. that he's up to something, right? It, it's also laid out very clearly because he says we wouldn't want those all to know what we're up to. Yeah, there's a lot of treachery afoot within Xeon, it seems like everyone sort of has their own ulterior motives. Who would have thought that a fascist dictatorship <laughs> wouldn't would, just operate super smoothly? Would, would have any amount of corruption. <laughs> Who would have thought? Not me. I know this is a work of fiction, but I mean, come on, let's suspend let's some disbelief, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's funny. I, if I were raw, I probably would have been upset that Makuve didn't answer my call. But instead, he praises Makuve for having Uragang take his call. Like he's well, Uragang is very forthcoming with like, "Hey, um, Makuve can't make it. He regrets it. Very he's, so- he's, he's very sorry. He's playing with his Chinese vases, right? But he also instructed me to help you in any way I can. Yeah, and that's a raw. I was like, oh, that's all right. Yeah, okay. That's that's pretty. Uh, it's pretty great of Makuve. And Haman's not having it. No, th- this is another instance. I think, especially for a show. I don't want to make giant assumptions about either the seventies or Japan, but I think <laughs> but I continue, but I'm going to <laughs> immediately makes giant assumptions. I, There's I, no way they're going to attack. We're totally going to attack. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. I think it's probably safe to say that 30, 40 years ago, we were probably w- women were probably still pushing more for equal rights and representation globally than they are now on some level. And I, from my understanding of Japanese culture, it's probably more, or maybe just Asian cultures in, in general, it's probably more of a problem in the East than it is in the West. Okay. Right. As far as just like, if you look at like stereotypical gender roles, right. Of like, Hey, women stay home, raise the kids, they're for the family and the men go out and work. Right. I, I think the, the West changed that mindset probably first back in like the fifties and sixties. I, I, yeah, I think so. Obviously we aren't experts. No. So if, if we got this horribly <laughs> wrong, blame me, please, fine. Feel, please feel in to p- politely write in and correct us politely. I'll stress. Cause again, we're not experts, but this is just based on our my, very limited public school education yes. in America. Yeah. <laughs> my, but my knowledge of, of, of history, that's, those are the assumptions that I'm operating on. This show is progressive in a lot of ways oh, yeah, for seventies, sure. especially like seventies, Japan, because there are so many strong female characters in it. And on top of that, it's, I feel like it's very much driving the message home on a constant basis. And we'll see it even more throughout these episodes that the women have a much better grasp of what's going on than the men do. Mm-hmm. 
Rambaral is oblivious to Makuve's bullshit here. Hammond is not. And this will continue throughout these episodes. Meanwhile, back at White Base, they've arrived at the position of the Salt Lake. However, there is no lake. There is no lake. It's gone. It's gone. No, I did. Again, we're not mobile suit breakdown, but I did a little bit of research. So the dub calls it Rob Lake. The subtitles call it Lob Lake. I think it's actually Lop. Lopner, which is a, la- a salt lake in China. Oh, okay. That has since dried up. So I remember. I don't know. I do not know if it has moved, but it does. But it has dried up so since I'm doing my research. I can actually speak to the moving part. So right. there is a phenomenon, as we will learn later in this episode, mm-hmm. where there are what they call moving lakes. Correct. That will either from I guess their outlets or just natural occurrence move from one position to another in any event they arrive at the lake and i only i only did this research to figure out where they were on their on white bases grand tour around the, around the okay. globe yep no, that's uh, good. so we're in china um they do find out that this lake moves 500 miles east or west yeah they, they panic for a bit mirai specifically panics until the operators step in yeah they do a little bit of research mirror's like how old is that map it's probably pre-war uh, Tamura's upset because he feels like he let the entire crew yeah. off course for some salt. There's no way the Xenons didn't see us by now. Right. I'm so I'm such an idiot. Poor chef. You I know. Feel, you feel bad for he's him just, a little bit. Yeah. I no. I absolutely did because he he's he clearly like a, the best of intentions, and this is not his fault at all. And yeah. it even it wasn't even his idea. All he did was come to Bright and say, "Hey, we don't have any salt, and that's going to be a real problem real soon. They have to have salt in their diets." So the crew is having a discussion as to what they should do. They need this salt. And Bright decides, okay, we're going to chase the lake. It's 500 miles in one of these directions. We got to try and find it. Unfortunately, Tamura's fear immediately becomes true. They get an alert that there's a vehicle approaching. And the operators comment and say that it's much too fast to be a Magella, but too slow to be a Gaw. So they don't know what it is. Right. Sayla has this moment where she's like, I think think it was a, a thought that she had to herself. Only one vehicle. Are there just just one vehicle approaching? Not a whole right. fleet of enemy? Interesting. Bright and Amaro have this conversation back and forth, and Amaro is like, he tells Bright that he's he's not sure if Gundam will be right for the job because they don't know what they're going up against, which I get that, but name one time that Gundam hasn't been the solution in the show. I mean, it's in the name of the show. <laughs> and every time they use any other vehicle, again, a trend that is going to continue through these episodes, Gundam ends up being the solution anyway. Right. So I don't know what Amaro's thinking here, but he sort of disagrees with Bright. And then this is, I think this really just speaks to Amaro's nature to question the, not necessarily the authority, but the logic behind the orders that he's been given. Um, mostly because he's a young kid who thinks he knows better. Yeah. He's, he knows he's smart, which is his doom for the most part. He knows kinda, how smart he is. Yeah. yeah. And so, he thinks that, well, because I got a grasp on the science. <laughs> I, have a, I have a microscope. Yeah, I, I, did you see the first episode? <laughs> I'm working on this microscope here. He has a grasp on math and science. So he seems to think that that translates into like the instinct of a, a leader on, right. a, on a battlefield. Wait, I'm going to know more than you, Bright. I mean, we're going to continue to find out that it, it does not. No. <laughs> So Bright orders everyone on standby while Mirai takes White Base off. And then we cut to the gallop where it's Hammond and she's hanging out with what I wrote as this snivelly Zeon fella. Oh my God. He's yeah. the guy from the the first time we met Ramba Raw a couple episodes back. Yeah. 
Where he's like, ah, sure, we got this vehicle over here. We don't know what it is. He's like almost like Snidely Whiplash. Yeah, accent. that's exactly what yeah. I was going to say. He reminds me of Snidely Whiplash. I don't think this is fair. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Clemp. Is it Clemp? We find okay. that out later. Of course it's Clemp. Of course it's Clemp. But <laughs> I, I, he looks like a Clemp. Oh, man. Clemp looking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so they're on the gallop together and Hammond asks him, if Ramba and the goof trooper there, I also noted here that Rawls rank is revealed at some point throughout these conversations. He's a lieutenant. He's a lieutenant. Yes. I also noted randomly in here that the blonde guy who we referred to as, I th- just think like the blonde guy from white face, <laughs> his name is Job. Yeah, that's right. We called him blondie. And this, this is what we said earlier. We're yeah. learning names of people that don't feel like you have to remember them. Right. Cause they're about to either get deaded or <laughs> yeah, on both on both sides. On both sides yeah, that's the thing that happens. They're this. either about to die or just never be seen again. Right. So after we get introduced to uh, to Job here, very briefly, we find out that Sailor's hijacked the Gundam. Yeah, she had a wild hair up her ass. <laughs> yeah, that's not the expression. <laughs> she had Sailor had a oh god, it's is it. Is it while a hair across her ass? What's no, it? the hair across her ass is when uh, someone's upset. Like cut the hair okay. across her ass. I want to look up this. Expression. No, you don't have to look it up. I'll just word it differently. It's fine, really. Well, now I want to know. Oh, God damn it. Uh, line. To have a wild hair up. Yeah, that's the line. Is it? Wild hair up your ass. But it's... um. Like if you do something out of character. Yeah, it's wild hair up your ass. Okay. I was like, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Is that the expression? Yeah, we cut to the hangar. Armor runs in and is like, where's the gun? What's going on? Uh, Who's Sailor, taking off Sailor his gun? She had a and Joe, Joe's like, well, she, special orders, yeah. right? There's no, spe- there's no special <laughs> orders. What the fuck? <laughs> I wish that Amuro got as animated as you just did. During that. Unfortunately, he doesn't. But uh, aside from Hayato moving Gundam's foot back in episode 14 so they could access the bomb that was planted under it. Right. Uh, this is the first time anyone but Amuro has been inside the Gundam. Yeah, and Sailor has grossly underestimated both the G-forces behind the takeoff and even yes. how to pilot the damn thing. Yeah, she takes off and, and immediately throws up. She Yeah, she looks like she's uh, she's holding back some puke. Yeah. Uh, a couple of times. They don't animate it because, again, this is the 70s, um, but they she, very much does, like a- she does the sound effect... The, the voice actress is very much like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to puke. And yeah. then like, they cut her head turning to the side. Right. She very clearly throws up. I am not looking forward to cleaning that cockpit. <laughs> I, oh, man. Poor Amra. Um, and she doesn't even land in the Gundam. She like face plants. Yeah. First she, thing. Yeah. Which is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's already a comedy of errors. Right. She lands. Ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then the gallop opens up on white base and they start firing back. And Sayla says that she has to make contact with the Xeon soldiers. Yeah. So this was a complaint that I had to you. We talked about this a little bit beforehand. There were, there's elements of this. We wish that weren't actually overtly given away that we feel like would have been better writing. If they had not done the whole, is that my brother? Is is that my sister? Artesia thing back in like episode two, this would have played really well. As Sayla potentially betraying the crew yeah, for, out of nowhere. Right. And like, what's going on? Yeah. So it would have been a real cool twist that they could have played for a few episodes here of like, why is she trying to contact the Zeons? We now know why she said earlier or thought earlier, oh, only one vehicle. Right. Right. This is my opportunity. She's thinking to make contact. She's thinking a couple of things. Either, oh, it's only one vehicle or, oh, it's only one vehicle trying to, maybe it is Char. Right. But like you had just said, if they had not mentioned earlier at all 
via internal monologue with, oh, is that my brother or is that my sister? I don't know. Um, this would have played out a lot better. Yeah. I think writing wise, the tension would have been a lot clearer, I think. Yeah, I mean, I would have been sitting here going, oh my God, what, you traitorous blonde bitch? Exactly. <laughs> I liked you. I did. <laughs> I thought you were best girl. Cool. You were cool as a cucumber under pressure. And suddenly, this is why. You fucking traitorous whore, you are. How dare. <laughs> uh, so she lands, she finally gets up, and uh, Zaku shows up immediately, and she struggles to hit it with anything. She's now realizing, like, I think she even makes a comment out loud, like, this is a lot more difficult to aim than I thought it was going to be. She, she says, like, my aim is perfect, but I miss. Well, clearly your aim is not perfect, right. there, honey. Yeah. Rambaral sees that the Gundam is struggling from a distance, and he immediately goes, all right, this is my opportunity. We, goof Troop, activate. We got to get in now. <laughs> goof Troop, <laughs> always together. <laughs> <laughs> they come in hard and fast, but luckily Amuro has launched in gun cannon and is able to get a shot in. There's on something the funny about this particular episode, the way they animate gun cannon. When Amuro is in gun cannon, gun cannon looks swole as fuck. <laughs> For some I did reason, not notice that. In this episode particularly, he launches, he lands, and he looks like gun cannon does not like skip lifting weights <laughs> ever. Kai is in gun cannon. It looks like a scrawny little shit. Amuro's in it. That's it's funny. swole as fuck. It's come. I'm coming to save the day. Get the fuck on my way. Well, I'm about to wreck some shit. <laughs> As we've seen, the uh, the animation throughout this series is wildly inconsistent. Right. And from what Mobile Suit Breakdown did some research on the staff on each episode. So it's very clear that there's like an A and a B team that yeah. were working on the show, which is why some episodes are better written and some are kind of trash and some are better animated and some aren't. This Stretch of episodes, I feel like, is animated fairly well for the most part, but there, I'm going to have a gripe with the animation coming up, too. We'll, we'll get to it. So they engage in, in Heat Rod is a bad name. I don't know if that's a translation thing. I know I talked about that when they first introduced it, but it's a terrible name because this thing is a fucking electric whip. That's what it is. It's a whip and it looks like it's shooting electricity. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he whips this thing out like he's in a tentacle hunt. He's just whipping this thing. Out at Gun Cannon. Oh, I've seen enough anime to know where this is going. <laughs> That's right. I know. <laughs> Kozun comes in trying to be a fucking hero. He's uh, one of the Zaku pilots in the Goof Troop, just for a uh, refresher. Yeah, for there, there's some fun animation cells uh, in this one when he finally, when Kazoon finally like, takes, like, kind of grapples the Gundam from behind. Yes. He pokes out one of the cameras, the main camera on the Gundam's head. Right. And you see that crack, and then Sailor's freaking out. In the so he's trying to take out oh, the camera. camera. I immediately cut to like, a shot, a very close-up shot of the Gundam's face, and the, the finger of the Zaku kind of just rubbing on the <laughs> eye. It's so disturbing. Uh, they it's so weird. They should have given the Gundam like a disgusted face. Like, <laughs> what are you? What? Why? Don't touch my eyeball. He then makes a comment about asking someone to shoot off the Gundam's power rods. Yeah, which I've never seen. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> He seems to think, though, that what they're trying to do is he's he's trying to be a hero here to Rumble Raw, who he, he clearly admires, and, yeah. and work with him to try and disable the Gundam. They're, they don't want to destroy it. They want to capture it. And again, they notice that this is probably their chance because it's not operating the way that it normally does. Yeah. They don't know why. I but, think because they're just trying to literally rip the head off the Gundam. He makes a comment about it. This would be yeah. a great trophy. So he's trying to like sub-zero fatality. <laughs> fatality the, uh, this is topical because the Mortal Kombat I know, right? just yeah. came out. Uh, he's trying to do fatality. They got finish him. Very much. Um, it does not go well. Instead, he can only get off the x-ray moves from nine. We're yeah. just poking the eyes out. 
Then Hayato and Ryo come in on Gun Tank. And uh, Akus runs out of of ammo. And unfortunately, uh, he's taken out. So the goof troop goes from three to two. Mm. When this happens, Raw orders a retreat. I will say the number of times that people run out of ammo in this show in the, the either the most inconvenient or convenient oh, yeah. manner is too damn high. <laughs> they it, it they really use that is. trope a lot. Yeah. Whether it's the enemy ran out of ammo uh, at a very convenient time for our heroes, whether it's the hero ran out of ammo at a very inconvenient time for themselves. There's been a lot of escapes and retreats that have happened because of ammo. It almost feels like an inconsistent amount. If you wanted to sit there and count the shots and do the math, right? It's either they had like 180 shots before they ran out of ammo or 17. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, all over the place. It's funny. I didn't note it and I don't remember exactly what episode it was, but I know it was in this run that Amuro remarks at one point that he's got like one shot left in the uh, beam rifle and that's not enough. So he just tosses it like, <laughs> okay, cool. Ammo is constantly yeah. running low, but no one shot. Fuck this. No, thing. It's, fine. it's a giant beam rifle that we could refill back at the white best, but you just toss that over to the it's side. Fine. It's fine. No, it's trash. We it's don't cool. need that. It's just, yeah, it's fine. We'll just make another one. <laughs> we haven't been resupplied in, in weeks, but you go ahead and you throw that off to the side. Matilda's going to be pissed. <laughs> Amuro runs up in gun cannon while they're trying to retreat here. And Kozun gets a bitch smack across the face. They animate like this is kind his- of a slap. Oh, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to count. This is a we're slap. We're not going to count think. mech to mech slap. Yeah. I don't, this is a slap. It kind of was. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll have to make a ruling on it later. I, I'm going to say no for now, but we can have it. I'm open to debate because there's a great mech slap. Oh, in turn a, oh, we just launched that ship. Remember? It's just like, oh, uh, hmm. all right. Well, well, this is a discussion we can have at a later time. Okay. We'll we'll note that there was a mech slap here, which is, <laughs> I'm not going to put it in the counter. Okay. But, We'll, we'll note it. And they, the way that they animate this, like Akus or sorry, uh, Kazun gets like his helmet shattered and like the front of the Zaku is all busted up. Yeah. Like, again, maybe this is, this plays into your theory that gun cannon is swole when Amro is in it. Exactly. He's got the, he's got the strength to just wreck a Zaku's face. <laughs> so Hammond and Clemp find Rumbaral in the desert after this retreat. And Amro is dragging Kozun back to white base. He's successfully knocked him out, disabled his Aku. And so he wants to capture it because they don't really surprisingly, even though this Aku is like the main unit that they fight against, they don't really have a lot of combat data on it. Mm-hmm. So they're interested in gathering that when, when they get the Zaku back to white base, Kozun exits and he's got everyone in the main cast's gun pointed directly at his face. And he asks if he'll be treated according to the Antarctic treaty. I think that this has been mentioned once or twice before. Yeah. So I assume this is like Gundam's Geneva convention, like is, the rules of engagement. Or, and they get, okay. Again, something else they kind of get into in origin, but after operation British, where they dropped the colony, I believe both sides came to an agreement to not use nuclear weapons and not do no more drop, colony drops. Colony drops. Uh, this comes up and are in the next set of episodes where Makuve decides to, not necessarily follow the Antarctic Treaty. Yeah. Okay. It's this universe's version of like the Geneva Convention. Yeah, Geneva Convention, rules of engagement, okay. how, to, how to treat prisoners, all that good stuff. Okay, that's what I that's what I gathered. Bright uh, says, of course, that he'll comply to this, but they don't have a lot of food, so he's not going to be well fed. Meanwhile, uh, Sela gets dragged back 
Bright and is not happy. No. So Gundam has been roughed up. Sayla took some hits, obviously. Yeah, she, she lost a foot. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, right. Yeah, she talks about the, the, the like the auto balancer or something right. not working There's during that fight. There's a great bit where Sayla chases down the guff and the guff is under the sand. This is how the gun loses the foot because Ramaral comes out of nowhere out of the, under the sand with the right. rod and slices the gun's foot off like, yeah. the, the, from like the toes back. Yeah. Slices that off. She goes down. Raw makes a comment about like how if this was a Zaki, he would have been fucked, but good thing we're in this goof and then the sand is really soft so he can hide in the sand. That's right. Bright and Mirai are kind of interrogating Sayla and Bright asks her, did you need to prove something? Did you need to prove that a woman can fight as well as a man? Again, really highlighting the period that this was made in. But Sayla Sayla says, yeah, yeah, that's that's what it was. She goes along with the the easiest way out of this is just to go along with their accusations. Just agree agree. with them. (laughs) Yeah. So Mirai suggests three days in the brig and that's what she gets. Ryu escorts her. Uh, She's now a prisoner on her her own ship for her insubordination. The next scene is kind of frustrating somewhat. Ryu is ordered to escort Sayla to the brig. Right. Both of them show up. They see Frau there ready to give food to the prisoner. Yeah, she's there delivering food to uh, Kozun. Ryu says as much out loud. He says, you're, uh, you're delivering food to the prisoner? You need more than one person. So they both go over. And Sayla, who at this point should be handcuffed, regardless, is not handcuffed, and says, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it, Frau. And then they just let her. Yeah, I didn't think about that at the time, but you're right. That's exactly how it plays out. So they let her go into the cell to help, well, to bring the food to the the prisoner. And yeah. that gives her a opportunity to talk face-to-face to Kozun and ask about Shar. Yeah, she's finally got her contact with a Zeon soldier that she wanted. Right. Ryu should not have let that happen. No. Instead, the whole thing just plays out. Yep. She uh, asks Kozun about Shar, and he goes, y- y- you mean the Red Comet? You know Shar Aznable? And she's like, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the dude. This interaction will be somewhat <laughs> important later. It's just, it feels kind of weird when Rio says, Hey, you need more than one person to give him food. And then also I'm going to let this other prisoner get sort of prisoner, I guess, give them food. Yeah. He might be operating under the assumption that like there are now, cause there is another person that's with Frabo as well. An unnamed crew member. Mm-hmm. There are now three people outside that cell and Sela with the prisoner inside. So maybe he's just like thinking like, Hey, we could, maybe. we got enough people here that he's not going to, you know, you, fair enough. you wouldn't send Frau Bo in by herself. She's a young girl like this dude. He's, he's a big dude. He's not, he's not a tiny man by any means. Right. And, and um, you know, could easily overtake her or Sela. But anyway, Kozun kind of seems shocked that Sayla knows who Shar is. And he informs her that he lost his position after he failed to protect Garma. Sent him home. Right. And he's been sent home. Sayla leaves the cell. Rio's like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> sort of. Well, yeah. You know, let's turn yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, like, what, what was that all about? And Sayla lies and says, oh, nothing. Just ask me how much it would cost to pay me off. <laughs> Which they totally buy. They totally buy. Again, put Sailor in the brig and then she has some inner monologue. Like, My brother's alive. Yeah. And they, we confirm at this point that Sailor believes Star is her brother, her brother. Yeah. And she's very happy that he's all right. She's relieved. So while this is happening, white base has finally found the salt lake and Tamura is ecstatic. And that's sort of where the episode ends. It's like, Hey, we're, we're going to get our salt now. Mm-hmm. So all that's really happened in this episode is I feel like they missed an opportunity in the writing because of decisions that were made early. 
to have what could have been an interesting payoff here. Yeah. Where we could have really wondered Sayla's motivations, at least for the length of this episode. But instead, all we really I, got, I was, feel like even then, if they, if they left it, if they got rid of any of the internal monologue earlier in the early episodes where both right. Shar and Sarah are like, do we know each other? Are we yeah. family. What the fuck? I haven't seen you in years. If they hadn't done that and she just went out on her own apropos of nothing. Right. And, and kind of really lean into like, what the fuck is, go- is she, is she being a traitor's bitch? Like what the hell is going on? And then even then after that, when they catch her and she kind of just admits that she needed to prove something, but clearly make it a little more overt. Like she's just going along with the accusation. Sure. And then they put her in the cell. Let her still talk to uh, Kozun about where Shar is and kind of put that little breadcrumb there. But don't have her go, oh, sure, my brother, he's alive, back yeah. in the cell. And then we can stew on that for a few episodes as we figure out, um, particularly at the end of the, this episode stream that we're watching, because we figure out a little bit more about who Sayla actually is as well. Yeah. I feel like that would have been written a lot better. Yeah. Just uh, a missed opportunity. But that brings us into episode 17, Amaro Desserts. Oh, so tasty. So tasty desserts. Oh, not that dessert? (laughs) No, no, the other kind. Amaro Deserts. (laughs) Um, Okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to say it right now, and then I'm going to bitch about it several more times. This episode opens up with Gunperry launching Gundam so they can do their cool mid-air docking procedure. You know, the one that they were practicing before where Bright was like, hey, it's got to be 15 seconds or less. I'm not incredibly sure of any of this mid-air docking stuff makes any sort of sense like you have to send out gun parry with two halves of gundam in it and a core fighter and it just seems like a lot of work for like why would you not just send gundam out but here's my problem with it sean this is the opening to episode 17 this is the opening to episode 18 this is the opening to episode 19 and it's the opening to episode 20 they all fucking start with this animation. They do. Uh, it's a shame because you made a, a comment when we watched episode 15. Oh, I hope they keep this one because it kind of shows the position of all the colonies. Episode yeah. 16 opens in a very similar fashion. Some different uh, monologue, but the map is still there. Mm-hmm. And then this one is just uh, mid-air conversion, hey, mid-air conversion. Remember mid-air that conversion. time they were practicing their mid-air conversion? Yeah. Will, will they ever do that again? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're going to do it every episode. <laughs> oh, my God. It drove... <laughs> Like by the time I got to the third time, I was like, okay, I understand the show's on a budget. And so they can fill 30 seconds of animation or whatever here just by playing this out. But then the, the, the third and fourth, I'm like, what, what the fuck? What do you, what the fuck? Like, I literally thought I was like, maybe the episodes were screwed up on the computer and I was watching the wrong one. Like I thought like I had to like check. Yeah. Anyway, after this though, we, what we do open up (laughs) with is the coolest jazz music and the funniest bit as the white bass kind of slowly slides in the scene. Yep. We get some great space jazz and then just, just a very static white base kind of coming into frame. And then we cut to the bridge. And it's the same thing. We, we're panning across the bridge. Mirai's there. Amaro's there doing the science. The narrator sort of explains that whole mid-air docking scene as they're just continuing to train as they cross Central Asia. And then when we're back in the ship, Amaro's in a simulator. And I, I noted that the screen looks like a giant Game Boy. It's all green with black on it. And as you noted, he's doing the science. He's watching a simulated fight between two Zaku's play out on their screen. And Kai comes over, reminds us why uh, we hate Kai. He's got his snivelly little tone. Well, hey, what? I wrote this is not the line, but I liked this better. Hey, what you doing there, spaceman? <laughs> Armoro over explains with a lot of exposition what he is yeah. doing is basically we got a lot of information from the captured Zaku. I'm trying to enter in stuff into the Gundam's uh, data computer, battle computer, so we can get 
algorithms to make the Gundam fight better. He summed it up. And Kai's like, oh, wow, isn't that I mean? You're just so clever. Yeah. And he, then walks off to like take over from Mirai or whatever. Yep. Again, really just reminding us why Kai is a sniveling asshole. <laughs> he's, he's the worst. He's the worst. He can't say or do anything nice ever. So when Mirai's relieved by Kai, she goes in to check in on Bright, her boyfriend, clearly. <laughs> and when she does, there's a couple of fellows just shining what appears to be a bright floor lamp into Kozun's face. Yeah, so they're interrogating Kozun. Kozun at this point does not believe that Bright is even in charge or anyone on the ship is remotely in charge because they're all young. Yeah. He's, he, he's not buying it. He makes a remark about me right when she enters too, like, oh, another young officer? Something to that effect. Is this an actual interrogation technique? I feel like I've only ever seen this in movies and I don't know why it would be effective to just shine a bright light in someone's face. Like, it seems obnoxious, but... Yeah. Well, dark room, bright light. We is might, it, is we it an might intimidation thing? We might be highlighting that um, Bright and company are the best <laughs> interrogators yeah. here. Uh, really hammering home while Kozu has every right to not believe that Bright is in charge because the entire crew is woefully unexperienced. Yes. So I guess Mirai leaves them to interrogate Kozun. Uh, as you said, he doesn't believe that Bright or any of those guys are in command because they're too young. Yeah. Kozu makes another comment about the Antarctic Treaty. And Bright's like, yeah, I've read yeah, it. I know. I, yeah, yeah. Shut up. I've read it statues like literally five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> but I don't want any more games. Where's Robert Rolf Gallup? Yeah. That's what he demands. That scene ends and we cut to Amro like almost eating shit. There should have been a wet floor sign out on White Base, apparently. There's water all over the floor. Yeah, Kiki uh Kika, I think is the older yep. girl's name. She runs out of the room and is like, ah oh, yeah, Robert, I need some help. This is a weird aside. So Kika runs out of the of the room. She's just just in her underwear. Just in her underwear. <laughs> I need help. Ah, there's, and there's water everywhere. So Armor walks in the room, immediately walks into a bra. That's yeah, hanging walks on. into a bra, turns turns bright oh, fucking yeah, red. Bright which, red. And we find out like, the faucet is overflowing. Mirai pops out of, I think, what is the bathroom? A topless Mirai. A topless Mirai pops, pops, pops out, out of the bathroom. Armor gets a, a glimpse of that. Again, bright red. Probably flush of blood to other areas. <laughs> <laughs> pops out of the room. Armor feels a rush of blood in his penis. <laughs> Uh, panics. Mirai says, Armor, can you come in here and help Kika? This thing is a mess. Yeah. All right, I'm coming in. Yeah, he, ca- he kind of kind of covers his coming eyes. In, reaching, coming in, ends up fixing the sink. Armor yells at Kika, like, "Where's the where's the knob for the faucet?" Kika's like, "It fell in the sink. It fell in the sink. It fell in the sink. Rickety fucking sink, huh? Uh, that, that little girl. I know. Huh? So much trouble. She does. <laughs> it's adorable. Uh, Mirai thanks Armor, asks if it's fixed for real. And uh, yeah, Amaro says, like, no, you're going to need, this is probably going to need to be fixed properly, yep. but it, it's good for now. And then that's it. This is just, I got a weird aside. It's just, it's a comic relief scene. Yeah. The, the thing that's interesting. And again, this is just cultural difference is that they flat out just show Mirai topless in this. Yeah. Not a problem. Right. I don't know if this scene is included in what would have been like the airing on Cartoon Network or I don't believe it is. I would assume probably there's this, not. There's this scene. There's it's not like it's like it's not sexualized or no. like grotesque nudity or anything, but it's, it's I mean, it's, she's not wearing shirts. It's meant to be a glimpse of like, you know, these are humans. This is day to day life right. on this military spaceship. Amaro's a young man. He's curious about the female body. <laughs> there's another scene in another episode, which we'll get into later with Frau washing the kids. OK, <laughs> fair. <laughs> That is actually translated kind of interest, interestingly. So, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, that scene ends and we're back with Ramba Raw and he's inspecting Izaku. And he says the fat uncle may return. That's right. Uh, Sean, what in the blue fuck does that mean? Is so that it, an expression? I had to rewind this because I'm rewatching this. You have never seen this before. I'm rewatching this. Like, is he, 
is Ra referring to himself as the Fat that's Uncle? That's kind of what I thought. Because that's hilarious. And they go, oh no, it's the ship that dropped off the, the Zaku's and the equipment. It is oh, a large it, ship. It may return, as it, in like it can leave. Yeah, yeah. It's a giant ship and they call it the Fat Uncle. I like it a lot better the way that you explained it the first time there, because that's exactly <laughs> what I thought. was like, Ron Ralph's calling himself the Fat Uncle. Like he's going to get in the Zaku and yeah, Fat Uncle's back. Yeah, no, it's, it's called. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They call this ship the Fat Uncle. So that's a great name. And it's. It's interesting. I think military people do this. They'll they'll give nicknames to sh- just ships depending on how they look or how they act. Or yeah, that makes sense. They sometimes call the gun parries. I think matchbox transporters. Uncle Uncle Gunny. Uncle Gunny. You know, like like matchbox transporters because they look like they're carrying just giant matchboxes. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So the, the, it's just a nickname they gave the ship. It's a fat uncle. <laughs> There's another one called uh, later on called the big tray, which I imagine just looks like a big tray. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. They give them nicknames. They're not creative. Although Fat Uncle is kind of hilarious. <laughs> it, it is funny. It is funny. I liked it a lot. Hammond and Rawl are talking and she's got concerns over Rawl accepting this mission, which we'll learn what that is in a minute. And she doesn't approve. Ramba Rawl explains that he is on a, a mission to avenge Garma, which we, we knew. And he wants to take out White Base because he believes that if he can avenge Garma, take out White Base, capture the Gundam, that the Zabi family will give him a special two rank promotion. And this will take care of his men. He'll, he makes some comment about like Hammond will be able to like, you know, rub shoulders with his obvious, right? Like we're going to be set for life if, yeah. And all my, all, you, me, all our men, we're all going to be taken care of. And I've said this a number of times throughout this particular podcast. There's a lot more context here added with the origin OVA. Okay. Particularly being able to rub shoulders with the zombies or whatever, or his, duty or they're they're in here trying to avenge karma in origin you kind of find out like there's there's no love loss between the zombies and the, the royal family well the zombies don't seem like they're very likable so oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> did you know that kozun has crunk teeth <laughs> what <laughs> this next scene is so weird i only watched it once i probably should watch it again to maybe i would understand it a little bit better but he's they put him back in his cell after the interrogation and He's like, ha, ah, they didn't even do a full cavity search. Like, mm-hmm. whatever, something like that. He rips out a tooth. That's right. It's a gold tooth. It's a gold tooth. And then he pulls wire out of his crotch area. What? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then a goblet full of crunk juice. Out of I, the, I, I, no, it's not. <laughs> um, he just had a he just had a yeah. chalice of scissor up. It's, it's <laughs> the weirdest thing. I don't, I don't know what he did. He pulls out a gold tooth and then literally wire out of the front of, I assume his underwear and then somehow wraps the wire around the like handle to the door of his cell. And then they don't show, at least if they showed it, I missed it. He's connecting another wire to that wire from somewhere. I don't know where it came from. And it conducts electricity through the gold tooth, which explodes and causes the door he to short, unlatch. It's he shorts the door out without getting into like too much of the nitty gritty. Yeah, he, he it was sh- just like they've explained he a lot ma- of stuff. He, he MacGyver's his way yeah. out of the, uh, the, 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 the He's got a pine cone <laughs> and he's climbing a telephone pole, and then somehow I don't know. Yeah, anyway, it was it was very weird, but so Kazuna is played by Richard Dean Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how the hell any of this scene worked, but it's fine. He's escaping and he goes past Sayla's cell and he goes, hey, you're Zeon too, right? Like, why don't you come along with me? And she goes, nah, you, you got it wrong, buddy. If Oh, oh you're escaping? I'm going to scream. I'm going to scream. She does. Yeah. And he's like, God damn it. And so he just books it while she's yelling, trying to get the crew's attention that the prisoner's escaping. 
outside, the white base has missiles being shot at it now. They've accidentally run into one of Makuve's bases. They did not know this was here. Mm-hmm. And Bright orders gun them out. And Amaro says, send Gunberry. So I can do my fancy midair conversion and that we've Br- animated. And then Bright says, Roger. Yeah. And, and then, then goes, wait a minute, what? Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's this long pause. He's like, hey, what? Like, <laughs> why, why would we do that? That's really dumb. Just go out and gun them. So I guess Amaro and Hayato decided to go out and gun tank instead. Yeah. Amaro's just calling his own shots here. And Hayato even kind of remarks like, hey, are you sure this is a good idea? Bright's going to be and pissed. And he's like, Bright, don't worry about it. Bright, Bright doesn't, doesn't understand. Yeah. You can't just rely on the gun for everything. Spoilers, you can. Yeah, right. <laughs> the point that he's trying to make here is that this is a ground base. All of the targets are stationary. They're all like just guns that are mounted on this base. Gun tank has the most firepower, I guess. Uh, I mean, maybe. Of, the wor- uh, so the worst part here is, in theory, Amaro is correct. Amaro fucked himself over by fucking with the algorithms earlier in the Gundam, as we're going to, as we're about to see play out. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and also he screws himself over by making the assumption that all of his targets are going to be stationary. Exactly. Kozun, meanwhile, back on the ship, uh, has made it to the comms room and Ryu explains to bright that the prisoners escaped and that he has to free Sela to help him search for, mm-hmm. which bright's like, yeah, go ahead. Kozun's in the comms room and he's trying to communicate out with the radio and he, he's struggling a little bit, but he managed to get through and he is reporting back to Ramba Rawl, basically like what's on white base, right? They got three different mobile suit types. This is the first time the Xeons learned the names of these suits. Yeah. Uh, Gundam. And they're like, these are gun bad gun names. Gun, <laughs> gun tank. What the f- gun cannon? That's literally like, the, why don't you just call it gun gun? gun. gun. Yeah. <laughs> That's when we do our dub of the show, when we do our own um, oh, yeah? uh, mobile suit Gundam abridged. Okay. That's how that scene will play out. Like, wait, what? Hang on. <laughs> Gun cannon. Gun gun. Gun gun. <laughs> They're idiots. Who named this shit? Bright has the operator search through all the cameras on white base. And when they get to the comms room, they notice that the camera's not working. So they figured that's probably where their prisoner has gone. Yeah. One of the, um, one of the operators in the bridge was like, Hey, is someone supposed to be in the communicate, uh, communication that's room right. too. And Bright's like, no, nope. they cut to communication room too. And as Kozun is getting up, he gets into a struggle with Sela who loses her gun mm-hmm. and then manages to pick her gun back up, but he's ran, he's, run off he's gone. at this he's point. So she's point. lost the prisoner. We cut back to Makuve's base and the goof troop has shown up to help defend it. And gun tank is in trouble. You know why Sean? Because gun tank sucks. Yeah. Gun tank is the fucking worst. And Amaro is stupid. Yeah. Amaro makes a remark here. That's like an old Donald Trump tweet and that it does not hold up. Well, <laughs> uh, he says, Bright doesn't always understand how to move his troops efficiently, and Gundam's not always the best solution. Wrong. Yeah. Wrong. Again, really highlighting Amaro's tenacity to just not listen to his superiors. He just feels wants, like he knows better. He just wants to be right so badly. And goes so far as to try to act on proving everyone else wrong. And now he has put himself and Hayato in danger. And the entire white base in danger. He just put everyone in danger. Good job. We get we get dops here. Makuve sends out the dops. Throw more dops. More dops. All right, stop tops. Stop, stop tops. <laughs> the base troops are confused. They There's some dialogue that they're like, why is the Federation attacking us? We uh, What? Like, we're yeah. just some stupid mine out in the middle of nowhere. And then they find out that Ramba Rawl has joined the assault and put two and two together and realize, oh shit, we're being attacked by the, the Trojan horse. Right, it's not just any Fetties. It's, it's the, the Fetties. It's the, the people who killed Garma. 
And this is where they refer to Rama Rawls unit as the Garma Revenge unit. Yeah. Oh shit, the Federation's new mobile suits here, and the white base is here. Oh, we fucked. Yeah. Oh, we fucked hard. We're in trouble. Oh shit. While this attack's going on, Ramba Rawl sort of expresses worry about Kozun's escape from White Base. He, uh, yeah. He's concerned because they haven't heard from him yet. Back on White Base, Sela is now the lone chaser of the prisoner because uh, Ryu has to launch out in Core Fighter, and Kai goes out in Gun Cannon. Whose balance is quite excellent. He remarks that. <laughs> in a th- weird throwaway it's line. Very the balance strange. is quite excellent. I'm landing. I'm ready to go. Okay, Kai. Ramaral is sent off with a kiss from uh, his sweet Hammond. Then we get, this is the backup goof troop because we've, Kozun is on white base and Akus is dead. So now we get Gian and Stetch. Right. Which I don't know who the fuck these guys first are. group was, you know, the first group was a goofy movie. <laughs> this group is a very goofy movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's one line where I just felt like the voice actor for Amaro became Scottish just for a single line. And I listened to it three times and I laughed last night. Nothing but stupid dope fighters. <laughs> he just like, I don't know. They're, they're attacking the base and, and he's like, just that's the remark. There's a couple makes. of really good points in all of these episodes where there's the random pause. And I'm assuming they're doing it because there's the phrase in Japanese happens to be for once actually longer than the English. Yeah. So there's a very long, awkward pause. Haman does it a lot. Amr does it like once or twice, but Haman does it like more than anyone in, the, in this group of episodes. There's weird translation things, but I did not pick up on the Scottish thing at all. I, I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, <laughs> but I just, I listened to it a couple of times. And I was like, what the fuck? It was just, it was very <laughs> weird. Gun tank takes care of the dops. That's the only useful thing it ever does, but then it gets lit up and Hayato sucks. He just, he can't hit anything still. Right. And then here comes the goof. And now Gun Tank is in big trouble. And Bright's like, you guys, you gotta get Gun Tank back and get in Gundam. And this is where Amro remarks. Gun Tank is useless against moving opponents. Yeah. Y- fucking yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. Gun Tank is useless, period. Right. It, basically what he said is Gun Tank should never go out by itself. Meanwhile, Kai is like shitting his pants. Because he's just, he's under crazy amounts of fire. And this is when he asks White Base if they can move in closer to him because he's very afraid. Yeah. He's just like, ah! which kind of made me chuckle because I hate Kai. <laughs> so Kazoon makes it to the airlock and he steals the sweet jetpack that Frau and everybody used in the episode where they dropped off all the olds. Right. He, Remember that he one? He locks the door, grabs the jetpack. Like, this will yeah. do. Yeah. Sailor uh, catches up. It's like trying to bang against the door, which it's an airlock. So we know it's there's no way it's, it's sealed. open. It's sealed. Yeah. Cozy makes a comment about like, oh, that should hold it up against a regular gun. And then here comes Omer <laughs> with a rocket launcher. Yeah, you, if you remember Omer from a few episodes ago, Omer was introduced as the explosive expert. He comes running in. There's so much irony here. <laughs> blows the door up and kills Kuzan. Yep. Like he gets blown out of the ship. Whoops. And Omer's like, I had no idea that was going to happen. <laughs> How did you He's the explosive expert. <laughs> I was so glad you had that, one job. <laughs> I was so glad that you picked up on this because I did not put that together. They don't, they don't overtly say that it's him, but it's the same voice actor. It's the same drama. Yeah, no, it's definitely him. After you said it, I was like, oh, no, you're a hundred percent right. Your one job is to know how explosive work. I was nervous when I saw the frame of animation before this because they're, they're in a small hallway. He's up against this door. Yeah. 
I'm like, you're going to kill yourself in the Prow. Bl- the what blowback. Oh, it's Sailor. Yeah. But the blowback is oh, yeah. ridiculous. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah. they all, they both, uh, Sailor and Omar look out the window and Sailor has a moment because I don't think she's used to killing people in general. Right. And Omar's like, I had no idea. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I, I'm the worst explosive expert. And Sailor says something like, it, he got unlucky. Don't blame yourself. But also, they should be counting their blessings because, again, very tiny hallway. Oh, yeah. Blown out the airlock. You see, like, what's left of the jetpack and Kozum kind of like. Yeah, Kozum basically gets, like, hit in the jetpack and then it takes a very fantastic fall. Yeah. Uh, and, and I just cross my fingers and hope that he died from the explosion. Yeah. yeah. Kai is still shitting his pants outside. Uh, I wrote, is Kai going to die? I hope so. Kai sucks. Nope. Amuro and Gundam to the rescue. See, Amuro Gundam is always the answer. Bright was right. He misses the goof like several times. And this is a weird scene a little bit because he takes a couple of shots at it and it does not move, but he misses it. And then that's when he makes that remark that, the algorithms he taught the Gundam are useless because they're not fast enough for the goof. Like he, he had told Kai earlier in the episode when he was doing the work with the Zaku, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I accounted for the goof by adding like 20% to a Zaku, but apparently the goof must be way more than 20% faster, I guess. Yeah. Than a Zaku. Armando's math is wrong. Just flat out wrong. Yeah. He's fucked up a lot in this episode. And this is just another instance of that. So Ramba raw basically says like, Oh, your shots are accurate, but they're so accurate. My computer knows better or something. It's like a weird. Yeah, I don't know, but he can't hit him. White base manages to hit the goofs in its joints, which does enough damage that Rama Ra is like, crap, well, I, I got to get out of here. So he falls back and then we're on the ship after the battle has ended. Yeah, it's literally the same frame of animation where Bright and Mirai are chewing out Sela, except that they swapped in armor out pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> And Amuro is getting chewed out by Bright for being stupid and insubordinate. He's he's told he needs to respect the chain of command and get his act together. Amuro kind of remarks at this point, like, "We're not normal soldiers." And Bright just doubles down, like, yeah. get your shit together, like, dude. Yeah, I don't. I do not have time for you to grow up. Everyone's gonna die. Mm-hmm. Amuro goes back to the computer to recalibrate those algorithms. Remarks to himself, like, "I I fucked up." Yeah. I'm an idiot. Um, and then kind of dozes off. Yeah. And so Mirai uh, basically tells Bright to take it easy on Amro. And Bright has this moment where like he asks Ryu for confirmation. Bright, Bright basically says like, hey, if it wasn't for me, right, we'd all be dead. If, you know, if we just like went with what Amro said. And, and Ryu's like, uh, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> You're really angry right now. I don't want to like say no and have you send me to br- the brig. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sure. Yeah. Whatever you say, boss. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, Amaro does the math and science shit and then he passes out. And that's when, yeah, all that math and science shit. That's literally right. That's oh, spacey, spacey wasty science yeah. shit. He's doing his figures <laughs> and this, he's balancing his, his Gundam's checkbook and whatever. And yeah. Mirai and Bright show up. I don't know how they don't notice him, but they show up and they're like looking at gun cannon and they're talking about something. It's not clear at first, but Bright's asking Mirai for her opinion on replacing Amro with Ryu in the Gundam. Yeah. Mirai kind of says, you've already made up your mind. Bright has, he wants to replace anybody. Yeah. Is it Amro in the Gundam kind of, kind of says we can't really wait for Amro to grow up. Right can't really wait for him to get his shit together. And 
Amro wakes up during this conversation and, all and this. starts to overhear the rest of it. Mirai makes a remark to Bright that she thinks Amro's special. And then Bryce says it's really important to him that Mirai agrees with him. So yeah, because you want your partner to agree right, with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's probably it. It also played to me as just continued lack of confidence in his ability to command this group. Yeah, I think he's picked Mirai as his uh, second in command. Yes. For the most part. Yeah. So he wants her to back him up, but also, again, lack of confidence in his own ability to lead. Yeah. Which comes up quite a bit later on. So there's this funny frame of animation because he puts his hand on Mirai's shoulder and then she immediately turns away. And it, when I first watched it, it looked like a rejection, like don't touch me. But I think what it actually was is she realized Amro's presence was there. And so when she turned, she was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And he's obviously not stoked. He's, he's kind of deer in headlines listening to this shocked and then ends up running away. You see tears. He ends up running away. Yeah. Mirai goes to run after him. Bright says, don't even, don't bother. This Now we don't have to tell him. Yeah. That line is like, man, I, I love Bright, but he's just, he's clearly not a dad. <laughs> he's just, he's just handling this whole thing. So Bright so sometimes poorly. acts like weekend dad. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> he's, he's like stepdad. Mom, he's like mom's new boyfriend, <laughs> but he just, he's, he does not understand the tact that he should be displaying towards kids. That kind of yeah. got drafted into this whole mess unwillingly. Yeah, he's treating Amaro very much like a soldier who's been through the way he would treat someone like Ryu training and experience yeah. to someone that signed up for the ship. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, Bright can't be treating him like that at the same time. He kind of needs to Amaro needs to get his shit together as well. Yeah. So they both need to meet in the middle and they're not. Because right. And that's, and that's kind of what Mirai's role is, is she's trying to get them. Yeah. She's trying to get Bright to realize like, look, I, I understand your frustration. And I too would like to not die, but also this is a child and you got to use a little tact. Right. All of this leads to the name of the episode where Armoro deserts. Yeah. He grabs a shit. You see him walking down the hallway and he's in his civvy clothes. Mm-hmm. And Frabo notices, of course, and she asks him where he's going. Armoro, where are you going? <laughs> I've decided to leave White Base. Take care. Wait, what? 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 He doesn't just leave White Base, though. He fucking steals. He gun. does. He pulls a sailor. Pulls a sailor and steals the gun. And he steals the Gundam. He cuts a bright who's asleep. And one of the operators like are calling him in his quarters. Like, hey, uh, uh Gundam's taking gun- off. Gundam's did, you watching- did you order this or Gundam's watching? Uh Bright's like, close can you close the hangar door? He's like, nope, he's already gone. And there's a, a great scene because you know, Bright, this is the only time that I can remember that we see Bright like not in uniform. He's just in like a tank top. He's in a tank top. And he the, runs yeah. out to the bridge and he just sees the gun taking off. And that's the last shot of yeah. the episode. Sean, that brings us to episode number 18. Zeon's secret mine. And this is again where I I noted that Another. they're showing this mid-air conversion <laughs> thing again. And then I was like, oh wait, this is the exact sequence from the previous episode. The budget's really showing here. The Narrator steps in to mention that the battleship Guazin, I believe is how they pronounced it. I wrote it down the way that the subs wrote it. I believe that's what it was called, um, is departed from Granada, which is not the Granada that you think it's Granada on the moon. (laughs) They make that clear after, but it's a Xeon base on the moon. And this is a rear Admiral. We get a rank here. Uh, Kaisili Zabi's ship. They also remark that she's the eldest daughter of the Zabi family, which is not a thing that you would say, I don't think if there's not another daughter. Now you don't have to say anything, but if there is another daughter of the Zabi family, 
we have not met this person. I don't think there is. It could just be a translation thing, but it is very clearly worded that way. If she were the only daughter of the Zabi family, I would think they would have noted it that way and not saying eldest. She could be the eldest child of the Zabi family. Maybe she's I, older than all the men. I am reaching here. And we, I know we reached earlier about Japanese culture. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, Make your reach, friend. I, I think family and status inside of a family is fairly important. Oh, it absolutely over is. Over yeah. there. Yep. Yeah. So that's why fam- that's regardless why of being the only daughter, I think eldest daughter, noting that she is the eldest daughter, has a, a level of respect that comes with it. That could be it. It could be that. It could be a, a translation thing. I just thought she's it was also, an interesting think, choice of words. I think I, I don't know if she's older than Garen. She might just be the eldest child as well. Right. That I, that was the other thought. I was like, I okay, maybe. She, I don't think she is, though. She doesn't seem it. I think it's Garen and then Cassilia and then Dozel and then Dozel's brother who's dead and then Garma. I can't remember the other brother's name. Oh, there was another one? Yep. Okay. Yeah. She doesn't seem to be the oldest she seems to be the most intelligent and maybe the most manipulative although we haven't spent a ton of time with gear yet but uh, anyway i just thought that was interesting and oh, worth, all the zombies so, all the zombies are sociopathic <laughs> on some level yeah i can tell <laughs> it's a real great great group reminds me of my own family <laughs> and anyway she's out she has uh, departed from granada to go visit makube mm-hmm. uh, skeletor uh boss man yeah <laughs> it's very precious Voss. <laughs> after the intro we're in a deserted desert town and we see the Gundam laying down on the ground and it's like covered in tarps. Is it covered though? It kind of it's, badly. It's, it's the worst covering. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> and then we see like Amuro. The, like the most, sorry, but the no, most like, like a, visible part, the most recognizable part of the Gundam is his head. Is his head. And that's the part that's not covered. Yeah, It's like sort of covered. It's like we have a tarp that covers like 70% of but it. But the, the V-Wing on oh, the yeah. top, no, very it's, visible. It's very clear. Like if you were <laughs> if you were flying by, you'd be like, that's the fucking Gundam down there. Also, very poorly hidden. Also, a couple questions. Did Armor pack all these tarps with them? Were they in, in the Gundam? I just assume they, they come with Gundam. Sort of like the poncho, you know? There's all, there's all the kinds tar- of cool compartments and stuff in there. How come the tarps aren't also brightly colored like the Gundam? <laughs> I don't know. That's a great <laughs> the question. The giant target, like, hey, we have the gun that's right here. I know. <laughs> hmm. These are the questions we need answers to. Mm-hmm. We'll have to talk to Tamina. I want to know. He's going to be I like, it's know. a kid show. I want to know why, why the tarps aren't like Gundam colored and what do Minoski particles smell like? Right. I am, I'm still assuming cinnamon <laughs> until I have a clear answer. <laughs> we'll just, I'm running with it. Amaro's hiding out in a building with his gun next to him and he's eating like beans or something straight from a can that he's heated up. Yeah, he's like camping out, roughing it. He's looking real paranoid. He's like got the gun and every noise that he hears, he kind of looks over. And meanwhile, a Zeon ship, which I then put together is the Guazine, flies right over him. And he like goes to the door. He grabs his gun. He goes to the door and they're so low that they like the force of the ship is rattling the buildings apart. Like these buildings are not fully intact. It's like some cracked Adobe he, stuff. He is in ruins. Right. He is in a bombed out desert town that has long since been bombed out. Yeah. So it's covered in sand and dust and it, it is falling apart as the ship flies over. Yep. Yeah. Not, and, and not, not a great place to be. No, but that ship flies over and it's like shaking the buildings apart. And they're so close that he can look from where he is and see Kaecilia and Makube front and center in the ship. And he just completely locks out that they just they're focused on the horizon ahead or whatever and they totally miss they don't see the, the giant very, yeah. the very obvious the very gundam poorly just, covered gundam yeah just laying around 
Uh, back on white base, everyone's pretty bummed, especially Frau. Frau's in fucking tears. Yeah, she's not stoked. And Haito asks the question, uh, what will we do with Amuro if he comes back? And of course, Kai is so eager to chime in. And he's like, yeah, you know, sometimes they kill deserters, which which is what makes Frau even more furious. But then it seems like everyone except Mirai is actually considering like, oh, yeah, we might have to shoot Amuro on sight. And Frau's like, like what, what the fuck? Even Sela at some point is like, it felt weird to me that she would be all ready to be like, oh, well, you know, we might have to shoot Amara after her fucking actions an episode ago where she hijacked the Gundam and made contact with the enemy. You know what I mean? Like right. you could blame. I mean, uh, Kozun's death was her fault, which whatever. He's an enemy combatant. I mean, I know he was a prisoner, but and they didn't kill him on purpose. But if it had been out in the field, like they wouldn't have hesitated to kill each other, you know, but that whole incident on white base, like that's all her fault. Yep. So I don't know. It, it felt like she was overcompensating. Like, oh no, yeah, we should, yeah, that's totally a thing we do. We kill, we kill traitors. <laughs> I'm here. okay now, so it's yeah, fine. I'm fine. So uh, we can kill traitors here. <laughs> Ryu does come in at this point and is like, guys, we're you're not regular military, so I don't think he'd be punished like that. Yeah, but also I wouldn't stop them if they wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> also, just because I noted it here, just it, again to continue on why Sailor is so full of shit. Her brother Shar. <laughs> they don't she, know that. Everyone else I know, know that. I know they don't know that, but she knows all of that. So again, anything that she says here, I'm just like, that's why I wrote here. I like blondes, but I'm not about Sayla. <laughs> I don't like her in this scene. I don't like her attitude. I don't like the shit she's pulled. I've always been a Frabo guy, but I'm like, I'm cemented in it now. So they decide, okay, we need to try and get Amuro back. We're going to send Frabo out. Mm -hmm. And the kids try to follow her up, but she's like, no, you guys got to stay here. I'm going to go see if I can get Amuro back. There's this weird conversation between the kids where the translation was very different from the subs, but they're basically pondering like, do you think Amuro would like shoot at white base now? Like, are we Amuro's enemy? Right. Which is a, a really sad thing for like little kids to have to consider. Yeah, right. They're like, oh, well, Amuro deserted. So he's on the other side now again. Yeah. Being a kid, everything very binary, very black right. and white. So if, if he, he left, do you think if he comes back, like he's going to attack us? Yeah. They seem a little a little frightened about it. The Japanese for it was totally different. And there's it seemed like they were just having a completely different conversation where one of the kids was like calling Amuro a VSOP and then realizes like it stands for very important person. And then the end of the conversation is like, oh, maybe I screwed that up. <laughs> it was just completely different. And like, I think this is the first time that I've seen in the show where the English and the Japanese have flip flop where the English translation, like the the dialogue, the uh the dub mm -hmm. is actually the, the darker conversation, right? Okay. right? All, all, every other time it's like, they've softened it a little bit, right? From the Japanese. It's like, you know, back with uh, Amuro's mother, maybe she died running away. And they were like, well, what if we just said, maybe she ran away, right? <laughs> like they always soften it in the dub. Okay. This is the opposite. Unless there's something we're missing with VSOP. Or I, I think it's literally just the kid screwing up with a VIP. Yeah, that, that's all. That's, that's what I gathered from it. I don't know. But so while Frabo is driving off, she's having like flashbacks to conversations that she had. And I guess it seems like Mirai and Ryu guaranteed that if she got Amuro back. He would be fine. So she ends up in this desert town where he is and she notices a empty can of beans on the ground. And then, of course, sees Gundam's dumb head because great job, kid. Right? <laughs> like, is he just leaving a trail of cans behind him? <laughs> he leaves a trail of cans. It leads right to the part of the Gundam that's not covered. Yeah. So she goes, oh, well, shit, he's clearly here. In the fable, Hansel and Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> There's a trail of eating big cans of beans that leads 
to the the witch's blown out desert camp. <laughs> Where she's eating more beans. She's eating more beans. The camp also happens to be made out of cans of beans. <laughs> oh, man. That's my favorite fairy tale. <laughs> Amuro hears her approaching. He, he pulls out his gun and Frau steps through and she almost gets shot. She, he is like he is. The safety is gone. The gun is ready to go. You hear the click. He, yeah. Yeah. Luckily, he doesn't pull the trigger fast enough. Frau in this scene reminds me why she sucks. A oh, lot. Really? Yeah. Because she just she. She says way too much, which only okay. serves to piss off Amaro more. I, I think her heart's in the right place. Oh, it's absolutely in the right place, but it's like, oh, just damn it, shut up. You're saying too much. Right. Amaro basically makes some comment like, oh, here's the Gundam. This is what everyone's worried about, right? The mobile suit. And she's like, no, like we want you to come back. They'll all forgive you if you go back. And then forgive me for what? Yeah. I Okay. If that's what you, if that's what you're saying is Frau overstepping what she's, she's no, saying, it's when, it's that it, is Amuro being a little shit. No, that is like, Amuro being a little he, shit. How could he possibly think for a second that what he did was okay? No, and that, it's when Frau follows it up with like, oh yeah, well, some of the people think you should be shot. She does do that. You're right. <laughs> no, you're totally right. No, you're not helping. Yeah. Yeah. You're not helping. This is not how you get Amuro <laughs> back shot. in the base. <laughs> Why would he go back? <laughs> I don't trust any of these you're people. You're saying everything that you shouldn't say <laughs> to get somebody to go back with. No, it's fine. They'll forgive you. I mean, some people think you should be taken out back and shot, but it's fine. Just come back, please. I mean, it was no, pr- where is he going? I mean, to be fair, where it was pretty going? much everybody. <laughs> come back. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I totally forgot about that part, but he's just, he's such a little shit. Like, I don't understand how he could possibly think. Even, I get that he's a kid. He's a whiny teenager. But man, how could you, he's at least at some points demonstrated some amount of like understanding his responsibility and his place in all of this, whether he wanted it or not. But how could you not think for a second like, oh, I fucking stole the secret military weapon, abandoned everybody. I'm the only one who pilots this thing. He knows gun cannon and gun tank are useless. Yeah. Regardless if he wanted to admit it an episode ago or not, he saw it firsthand. Like he almost ate shit because of it. And now he's taken their defense. He's left Fraubo and Hayato, people that were like his friends before all of this on this ship. I just don't get how he doesn't think like that forgiveness should be involved. You know, if you were to return, he like, has, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. I he doesn't think he's done anything wrong. <sighs> he's such a shit. Or if he does think he's done something wrong, he feels like their wrongs very clearly outweigh his own wrongs. Yeah. So he's like, what the hell do they have, what do have to forgive me for? What the uh, fuck? I, I just do continue wrong. to hate him through this. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> we get through it. He tells Frau to get lost and then he gets inside Gundam and takes off. And Frau sort of like yelling and chewing him out. But he's all like, oh, nobody knows how I feel about things. Again, just selfish emo bullshit. I even wrote here, I hate him so much. (laughs) Back on White Piece, who the fuck gave Kai a gun? Yeah. Why does Kai have a gun? He's got a fucking revolver. Why? They're suddenly, I think, cleaning and uh, dismantling and reassembling a bunch of old revolvers. Yeah, I I guess. I say old because up until this point, everyone who's held a gun held what looked like a fairly futuristic yeah gun. i mean they're like laser pistols either that or the giant weird blunderbuss is like right had. yeah <laughs> blunderbuss pistol but but no kai has a revolver and he's like screwing it back together and then he's like playing with the the barrel of it which is empty but or not the barrel the uh what's the part that holds the ammo and the revolver <laughs> uh man i know guns yeah right me too now i'm blanking he's what? looking through the the chambers there you go right? sure the spinny bit in the middle that holds yeah, the cartridge. You know, the spinny. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> There's the barrel and the handle. Can you tell we're liberals? <laughs> Guns. 
<laughs> I'm probably going to cut all that, but it was kind of funny. He's like reassembling this gun. He's screwing it back together. And then he's like playing with the chamber and like looking through it. And it almost looks like he's targeting Ryu and Hayato. Like, yeah. I could kill these motherfuckers, right? Very, very much showing his lack of respect for the weapon and literally anyone around him. Yes. And then, of course, comic relief where he decides... I'm a cowboy Texan. He's spinning it around and then it just falls apart. Yeah. Like, whoops, didn't put that together. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Ne- never give this man weapons, especially in close quarters like that. Getting back to what you were saying about, yeah, they're probably just assembling, disassembling, reassembling the guns. I think there's some conversation about how they're bored waiting around for this like rescue mission, mm-hmm. basically, right? Like trying to get Amro back. So Bright's probably just ordered the crew to like do basic military drills right like just yeah. stuff that can keep them occupied for a little bit keep their mind off of right this shit but we then cut back to armor in the gundam storming off as a pissy little teenager yep <laughs> in the most power trip way you can in a giant robot and frau following behind in her little buggy the gundam stops mm-hmm. and frau plows right into him i don't know how i mean giant giant robot that you're following Women drivers, am I right? <laughs> oh, I had to make the joke. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't actually feel that way, but I just had to. I just think I was right. But she's it's this me. giant, like, this giant robot. There's no really other way to. And then she yells it. at him. Yeah. Like, he caused <laughs> it, right? Like, why did you stop at that but red light? Let me hit you doing 80. <laughs> but she's clearly not paying attention. And, his, and then, like, flies out of the front of the buggy. Yeah. <laughs> she's pretty pissed at him. Why would you just stop? like that why are you paying attention also armor makes a comment like why is she still following me yeah what the fuck <laughs> come on right so the reason he stopped is because he noticed a base right over the cliff in front of him that frau obviously can't see down on the ground where she is mm-hmm. and he kind of like gets the gundam a little bit closer to take a look and then you they cut to the inside of the cockpit and i guess those cameras can zoom because he's got the screen in front of him and i just wrote computer enhance <laughs> Because it like does that thing where it's like bloop and then suddenly everything's closer to him a couple times yeah. and he can see Makuve and Kaecilia at the space. We cut to the Gundam who you see that the head of the Gundam kind of peek over the ledge. We cut back inside the cockpit and then we cut to Kaecilia and Makuve and then we cut back to the Gundam and the Gundam suddenly has this weird microphone thing out of the side of its head. That, so it can he, not, only, oh, yes. not only can he see this, this is but this weird. Like, oh yeah. Also the Gundam has a microphone in its head. He can hear this ridiculous distance. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I wrote this here. I must've missed that. Because I wrote, I guess they're talking on an open radio channel, even though they're right next to each other. No, because you, Amuro overhears everything. But you no, see that, it for maybe two frames. Okay, yeah. And it, as it zooms in, it's like, is that a crudely drawn microphone? The Gundam just has everything. <laughs> uh is talking to Kaecilia about solium in the mine, which I assume is a rare element used in the construction of the mobile suits. Yeah, Makuve is remarking that we're getting a... A lot more than we thought out of these deposits about a whole gram of solium. So I guess solium is rare. Celia cuts them off. Yeah, she's she's less concerned about Mukube's discovery of the amount of solium that they're getting out of this and more concerned that they just keep whatever they have out of the hands of the Federation. Frau's making all kinds of noise outside and Amra's like, hey, can you calm the fuck down? There's a base out here. And so she goes to run over to the cliff and there's this great moment where he just puts the hand of the gun down like, no. And then she just pries two of his fingers up. Like, how strong is she? <laughs> right? Like, she's like, she well, They're They're bickering back and forth. Like a married couple. Very cute. Oh, of course. And she, he says, no, they'll see you. And Frau's like, I'm not a klutz. Fuck off. They're yeah. not going to see me. I'm not a klutz. I just crashed into you. I'm not a klutz. <laughs> 
And Amuro sends, they, they have a, an interaction and Amuro basically decides like, no, you go back to White Base and warn them. I'm going to stay here. Mm-hmm. Back in White Base, it's, apparently this has been like a three hour tour. Ah, uh, ah. It's like Gilligan's Island thing. For, yeah, see, tour. I was just waiting for you to say something. <laughs> so. the, and the crew's getting restless now. And I wrote some no names here. And then I wrote Blonde Guy, Not Kai. Uh, <laughs> we decided his name earlier. I, I, I was think it was Job. I think okay. this is Job. This is Job and Not Kai. Right. <laughs> uh, and they they basically this actually might have been o- Omer I, I don't really remember but they they're pondering if Amro like delivered the Zeons the Gundam mm-hmm. you know they they're basically it's just showing like the restlessness of the crew and how they are kind of scared that you know yeah we treachery is afoot we've seen a few scenes like this yeah with the main crew discussing what Amro's and now it's all of the show the kids now the, these no name guys discussing the same thing so they ask. To each other, do you think Amaro just handed? I mean, like they'd probably treat him like a hero if he brought the Zeons of Gundam. No, he didn't, but he's about to. He just decides once again in his infinite fucking wisdom, like oh, I got this. There's no mobile suits around here at all. Just a, you know, couple, couple of dumps, couple of guns. I'll be fine. Surprise launches a surprise attack. Also, just in all caps here. Holy shit! Frost vehicle can transform into a hovercraft. Just randomly, they do this a couple more times too. Was like uh, in a later episode, but I was just very excited. I was like, "Why would you not always be a hovercraft? Why are you gonna be a stupid four wheeling buggy when you can be a hovercraft?" Amuro's first shot is towards the like the main area of the base, close enough to Kaiselia and Makuve, where he's like, "We gotta get the fuck out of here now." And Kaecilia is not super stoked that Makuve and his troops did not detect this mobile suit out there. Like, they're kind of hard to miss. Uh, little does she know that she missed it, too, because they just whoo, went right over Because, you know, tarps. <laughs> She's the rare admiral. She's not going to be held responsible. Her, oh, un- her underlings will be. Yeah. yeah. She tells Makuve that the Adzum is ready, and she wants it, him to test it. I remarked here, is this another suit? But I think I know what it is. Later, Amro is just like this. Is another scene where he's just like crazy rage. Amro, he's he's a little more composed, but he's just lighting this pace up. So he's actually doing a good job at first. Rage Amro, got Ramaro, got it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make anything a Rage Rage Amro. But the Zeon ground tanks turn out to not be pushovers, at least for a second. But then the big guns come out. This base has like all kinds of hidden guns that just pop out of the ground, and they start shooting at him and kind of like he recovers it, the whole battle is sloppy. He does this cool move though at one point where like the guns basically, whenever he gets close to them, they kind of retract back into the ground or back into walls. So he can't actually take any of them out. So he gets smart. And as one of them is kind of closing the door on him, he sticks his shield down it and then puts the gun down there and blows it up. And then the shield goes flying, not a scratch on it. That shield's fucking rad. <laughs> that thing is awesome. It's either, Made out of tinfoil or made out of like unobtainium. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Or I've seen that thing cut in half, blown in half by one plastic explosive or completely invincible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So Kaecilia and Makuve come back in her ship and uh, man, this thing's got some big boy guns on it. So. It's not, no, this is the Adzum. Oh, the is helmet. the ship the Adzum? So the, okay, so yeah. the Adzum is, I think the first time we see a, um, a mobile armor. Okay. I thought it might be this ship. I, I, but then I thought, okay, this is the ship that they were in before. I literally wrote that in my notes. Like, I guess this is the Adzum. When I told you a second ago that I thought I knew what it was, I thought it was the weapon that I they're about to use. You're probably right. Yeah. yeah you're, probably right. you're probably right. The music here sounds like 70s porn music. It's like, <laughs> it's so good. Bukuve has this one line too where he goes, ha ha, I've got you now. 
and the delivery was very bad. And yeah, I just wanted to note it's, that it's, it's, <laughs> it yeah. was very bad. I don't, I can't imagine any director the being voice, like, no, that's the take we're going to use. The, the voice actor for Wakubi kind of just yeah. throwing the whole thing in. He did. But like, he got a photo of like the character he's going to play. He's like, you want me to play this weird looking fuck? Yeah. Purple head Skeletor meth man. Whatever. I'll do this over a weekend and get yeah, my money and leave. Yeah. <laughs> they then launch this grenade thing that like blows up and covers Amuro in what looks like sand. It's like not quite the color of sand, but it's glitter. It like, yeah, glitter bomb. <laughs> And then they just start bedazzling the shit out of Gundam. Kinda. <laughs> and then they launch like this net cage thing over him that's just shoots electricity into him. So it's like a giant electric cage that they put the Gundam in all of a sudden. It looked like something out of like Ninja Turtles or something. I felt like this is a very 90s cartoon. Yeah, weapon. So there are parts of this show. Like, wow, they did some research and this could yeah. be possible. And then there's parts of the show like no fucking way. Yeah, and this is kind of one of those. It is. So <laughs> the fine folks over at Mobile Suit Breakdown had their friend on who uh, has who a, also owns a microscope. He's a science. He's a science <laughs> he's guy. Science man. <laughs> he, he, he has a he does the sciences. Yeah, he, he has a degree. <laughs> I think about PhD or he's working on a PhD one or the other, but he, they, they had him on and they kind of did the calculations as to like how much energy it would take to heat up the outside area of the Gundam to 4,000 degrees, which is what Amuro remarks the temperature outside is getting. And basically it's not possible, but it was like something like 10 gigavolts or something. Yeah, and that's like gigawatts. Yeah, it was, I, or I don't know. It, the equivalent of, of essentially several power plants, like 50 small nuclear submarines. Yeah. Like 50. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot, which in the future, you know, space yeah. future where things like cinnamon monastic particles exist. I think we just have to suspend <laughs> disbelief. You know, every once in a while it, it is a children's show, but it was still interesting just to listen to them. Like yeah. actually do the math out on it. This Things kind of neat, and the heating up of the Gundam causes all the systems on it to shut down. So Amuro just can't do anything. Kaisili is like, "All right, finish him off." And Makuve goes to take a shot, but apparently that electric sand trap cage thingy only has so much energy. Yeah, what uh, <laughs> what Kaisili and Makuve forgot is that Amuro has plot armor, <laughs> <laughs> which no amount of electricity is going to melt through. So no, <laughs> no, the trap wears off, and Amuro takes a shot back at them and then takes out the, the Gundam Lance or the, the beam Lance or whatever they call that stupid fucking the, lo- the lollipop. lollipop right? yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. So dumb. And, uh, and he takes a, he takes a little rod on that Zam with that. And, uh, yeah, it does some damage. <laughs> he does some damage at this point. Makuve is ordered by Kaecilia to destroy the mine, the, the whole base as a matter of national security. And Makuve is like, we have troops down there still. And Kaecilia does not care, does not care. Her goal is to make sure that the Federation does not get anything that could be of use to them. They don't discover what they were doing there. They don't get any of the resources. She does not care about any of the troops that are there. Uh, It's pretty cold. You know, Makuve, a guy who's been fairly treacherous, we'll say, throughout this arc of episodes, he hesitates and she's like, nah, kill him. (laughs) Done. Hit the button. That shit blows up hard. They abandon the base. They kill their own men. Kaecilia is ruthless. Then Amuro has like this moment where like he, it's so weird. The dialogue, he has two different trains of thought. He's like, they blew up, they abandoned their own base, but then he takes credit for it. Like he's a hero. Like he did it. I I, I don't know. Kid's delusional, I guess, but he gets out of Gundam and heads down 
to try and like get information out of the computers that are down there, but he can't find anything other than a note that says this is the number 102 mining facility to which he goes, oh shit, there's 101 more of these, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> at least this is not the mine that Admiral Revel wanted me to take out. That's the line of dialogue. They have at no point said that he's an admiral. They've always said general rebel. Mm-hmm. And admiral's a naval rank and general is an army rank. So I don't yeah, know. If and most, at least in my experience, in most sci-fi space fleets are considered like space Navy. Right. So he would be, he would be an admiral. He would be an admiral. If he was, he's doing uh, or commanding Federation ground troops. Maybe he's, and maybe he currently he's is, branches. and he currently is commanding Federation ground troops, but he's also commanded the space fleets. Yeah. So, Supreme leader rebel. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting and worth pointing out that his, uh, his rank has changed in this one line of dialogue and we'll see if it sticks back on white base. They're like, Amaro's leaving the mine kind of bummed that he didn't find anything. And he comes across a wounded Zeon soldier who looks like he's like looking at his own high school yearbook photo or something. Yeah. A p- picture of himself with the sweetheart. No, it's just a picture of him. It's actually, it's probably a picture of somebody else, but I just looked at it and I was like, Oh, he's just admiring his, his younger self. His sweetheart, Bruce. <laughs> Maybe could have been. <laughs> and Amaro sees him there and there's like a, broken water main out there and he just like takes some of the water in his hands and brings it over to the soldier to drink hooks him up with a uh, tourniquet gives him a flare that's not like wastewater like yeah he he does not check completely irradiated wastewater oh man wouldn't that be terrible (laughs) if that's how the guy goes oh that's the story they don't tell it's in the manga you have to to read it (laughs) and he gives the guy a flare and like a tourniquet on his wounds and and he basically just tells him like there's going to be a rescue crew coming through here zeon or federation like someone's going to come through they'll find you and as he's walking away, the soldier clearly knows who he is. He's like, if you were to tell me that you're the pilot of the mobile suit that did this, I wouldn't believe you. But if you were, don't go soft on your enemy. You don't have enough lives for that. And that that sort of felt like that hit home with Amaro. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And then, of course, on cue, white base is coming through and they see the flare. And then they see the destruction of this base and comment about how Amaro probably left here thinking he was a real hero. But in reality, all he's done now is blown their cover. They've launched an attack on the wrong base. This was not the target that Admiral slash General Rebel wanted them to hit. Yep. Again, Amro really fucking right. shit up. By jumping right. the gun. For his friends. He's attacked this base, and now everybody knows they're there. Frabo hears this and is in tears again, and she leaves White Base again in her cool buggy hovercraft, and... She's off to find Amro again. And she remarks, who does he think he is? He's so selfish. But in the subtitles, they wrote, he has no idea how I feel. So in the in the subs, a little bit more of a romantic lean to it, right? Where she's clearly upset that like, what, what the fuck are you doing abandoning me over and over again? And then that's the end of that episode. Yes. Very sad. Which leads us into episode 19, Ramba Rawls' attack. Suicide in parentheses, because that was the translation of the Japanese. They left that part out in the English. How does this episode start again, Sean? This is the third episode in a row that used that same fucking animation. And the thing that I noted this time was this version looks shittier somehow. Like, so we're for reference, we're watching the 2011, I think Blu-ray rip of, of our Blu-ray version of the uh, show, which is like a remaster of the cartoon. This one in particular, for some reason, just looked crappy to me in a way that I was like, maybe they didn't remaster it this time. I don't know. but Or maybe I was just getting growing more and more, more furious <laughs> the more times they show this. I was just like, what the f-? I literally, like I said earlier, was like, I think I'm on the wrong episode because there's no way they did this three times. And, oh, they did. Oh, they did. Oh, they did. 
those days of hanging out with bros, docking in midair. Will Amuro ever see a day like that again? That's what the narrator ponders, basically-ish. Amuro's still in the desert, and he comes across a campsite with an old man, and he's like, hey, water, and the old man's like, town, that way. And he ends up at a restaurant. I never did hear, why is Bright always yelling? I don't remember what the dialogue exchange was, but they're back in White Base and Ryu's welding something and he like rips open his shirt. He's like, ah, oh, so hot. It, it just reminded me of like <laughs> hunky male, like fireman calendar. I must, like, have, I must uh, have looked out on my phone for this. I don't remember this bit. Yeah, he's, he's like welding. He's like fixing something like, I don't know, one of the suits or whatever. And he just like, because they're in the desert, it's hot. And he like rips open his shirt and you can see the tank tap underneath and he wipes sweat. Oh, it's so hot. I just was like, ooh, wow. Hi, Ryu. How you doing? What's going on? I get, I get the vapors. Uh, I don't know what they were talking about. And I noted that here. It's something about considering Amro separate from the Gundam. So like, is this Rio telling bright this? Uh, I think it was bright telling Ryu this. They were like, he was asking, are you considering Amro separate from the Gundam? Bright's asking Ryu. This. No, the other way around. Okay. Ryu was asking bright. That makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, there's a few times where Rio is like, again, talking with bright. Like, you, you need to treat Amro differently. You, you, you don't talk to him as a per- person you've, you've thought to him as a, a tool or an instrument to use okay. or as, as if he was the gun of itself. That makes more sense. Cause I was just listening to this. It was getting kind of late and I was a little <laughs> tired and I was just like, I don't know what they're talking about, but fine. So then we're back at the restaurant that Amro has wandered into and he's just like shoveling bread into his mouth. He's got a nice meal and 13 Zeon troops show up. Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Yeah, that's what I wrote. And I know that there were 13 because Rambaral comes out and is like, 13 of whatever you can get us. Right? Like, we don't, we, whatever you have, yeah. we know, we know where we are. And, and also, we'll, we'll start off with some of that good old water or something, something like that. I love your note here. Just yeah. play it cool, play it cool. Oh shit, pretty blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh god, don't yes. do my boner. <laughs> Rambo Raw? Yeah. That's how the sequence plays out. Amro hears the Xeon, like the the trucks that they're using, pull up. He looks to the door. He sees Hammond come in. Swing. Yeah. And Amro is experiencing the scent of a woman. Right. (laughs) And and he just sort of like looks at her and then the camera's back on him and he's like, "Uh uh-oh. And then back at her and then back on him. And I was just like, oh man, he must be feeling things right now. Speaking of the vapors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then he sees right behind her, the person yelling, going, hey, we need some food over here is Ramba Raw. <laughs> okay. Ramba Raw makes a really funny comment here. Or it was funny to me. And it's funny the way I wrote it, I think. <laughs> I wrote, Hammond, you must be impressed with how fucking big deserts are. <laughs> They're just talking about how like how vast and endless the desert is. And Hammond's like, oh, yes, it's much better than gazing at the boring stars or whatever. I'm like, no, it's not. Deserts are fucking (laughs) terrible. Stars are awesome. You're stupid. Uh, Robert Raw remarks that he's feeding the troops well before their their big mission. They're going on a big mission and he wants to make sure that everyone's well fed first. And the bartender nervously explains that this town, Sodon, which is I don't know if that's a, a real place and that's why they named it. But the name is mentioned two times in this episode. For seemingly no reason. Uh, Sodon is neutral. So no fighting, please, in the town. Yeah. And Ramaral's like, don't worry about it. We'll take any fights outside the town. And that's when Hammond, they, they order 14 of whatever you, or 13 of whatever you can make us. And Hammond's like, make it 14. One extra? Yes. For the boy. And Ramaral says, he's a little 
bit young for you, don't you think? <laughs> to which Hammond, in the creepiest voice that I've ever heard a pretty lady use. Yes, perhaps. Yes, perhaps. <laughs> uh, Sean, we need to have a discussion here. Uh, I'm sorry if this makes anyone uncomfortable, but is Rambaral a cuck? <laughs> Let's discuss. Because that is how the scene continues to play out. I wonder... He does not seem at all affected that everyone in his troop is into Hammond, who is clearly his lover, mm-hmm. at least if they're not more than that. I mean, he might. I don't think. I don't think Romero's a cuck. I think he enjoys. <laughs> rapid conversation. This is so good. This is so good, guys. Note this. I think he enjoys watching Hammond flirt. Okay. A little bit about Sean. I enjoy watching my wife flirt. Okay. Okay. Maybe I just don't get this because I'm forever alone. <laughs> Maybe. Um, or, or in this situation or in this feature, Cialis was never invented. <laughs> and Rambaral, the poor old war Aww. that he is, can't get it up and won't begrudge Hammond for getting it when she can. <laughs> but come on. You have to rub it in my face that much. He's a little young. Mm. A war injury. Perhaps. Oh, it's so wet. Perhaps. <laughs> like she's like a succubus over there. Like, mm, yes. But I have a funny feeling Rama Raw just lets him, because they're not married, right? They're, she's kind of he, his mistress. Oh, I, it, I did not know that. Yeah, doesn't mind Hammond flirting and is fine. Fair, but I'm going to counter in a minute here. So uh, <laughs> Frau Bo comes across the town and she sees the Xeon trucks outside then back in the bar amaro tells hammond that he can't accept he appreciates the gesture but he's not a charity case to which rambaral goes well the kids got you there and she says i was simply taking a liking to you again creepy it creep hammond's a very pretty lady and as a young man i would love to have like a voluptuous gorgeous older woman be into me but something about this whole vibe creeped me out it was just like i like brunettes (laughs) <laughs> and the cold stare. I just, I just feel like she might eat him at any point. Like, there's something about she, she has might. a secret. She there's might. something we don't she know. Uh, Her vagina has teeth. Did you know that's canon? Rambaral comments, "It's quite an honor to be liked by Hammond," and all the troops are like, "Oh yeah, I wish she liked me." <laughs> all of Rambaral's troops want to bone Hammond, and again, he seems fine with it. Oh shit, they found Frobo. So they bring her in and they're like, hey, we, we captured this uh, f- Federation soldier. And they're like, I don't know if this is a Federation uniform or not. It doesn't really look like one. Oh, it kind of does. And Amro just like, he has this moment where he just yells, he goes, Frobo. And then you just see him and like, he really wants to like put the words back in his mouth because he's like, oh, fuck. Now they know that I know her. They think she's Federation. So they're going to put that together. <laughs> I still feel the need that I need to clarify what I said earlier. <laughs> your words but also like i i've admitted something mm-hmm. to people on the internet no one listens that, to this that, podcast that needs a little clarification <laughs> okay have your moment it's fine we'll, pa- we'll pause this part have your moment <laughs> i think this is where i can relate a little bit with ron Baral. So he enjoys watching hammond flirt i think hammond enjoys flirting because she wants to prove to herself that she probably still has it she looks like she could be significantly younger than ron Baral. like 10, 15 I, years, maybe. I don't know. I think they're around the same age. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, she looks very afraid. <laughs> um, when, I, when I said minutes ago. <laughs> He's afraid she's going to listen to this Of now. course, right? And this happened at PAX a few years ago. It did. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I still think it's funny, but go ahead, explain. 
we were at a bar in Boston. Mm-hmm. We got invited to some event. Um, I think IGM was. Yeah, this is, this, yeah, this is after and I left IGM, but I still had connections. There. My wife at the time had not gone out and like let loose at a long, long, long time. Yeah. Um, since we've had our son basically. Um, so I let her go loose and <laughs> she wants to prove to herself that she's still got it. So she'll harmlessly flirt with whoever she can. And I feign being upset every now and then, but mostly it's because every time she's done it, like I've gotten something free out of it. I got free drinks out of it once before. And this time was kind of no different. I actually met the person who applied and got a job that I had applied for. And then found out that he was actually slowly automating himself out of the job. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, thank God I didn't get that job. <laughs> oh, you're an idiot. That's cool. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I know she's coming home with me, so I don't care. So I'm enjoying that she's having fun. That's fair. And I, think, no, and I, I understand I, and, that. And I, I understand can see that. Raw doing the same thing. I understand I can it. see we, Raw like, oh, <laughs> yeah. a little younger, you know yeah. what I mean? Everyone in this bar wants to bang my beautiful girlfriend or whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm yeah, taking her home. home with me. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I get it. It's funny. The <laughs> the thing that was the funniest. I just, I just realized that I just kind of left it hanging there. Like, oh, I, I should probably explain this more. <laughs> I do just want to add one thing because I thought this was hilarious. We left your wife alone talking with, you know, whoever mm-hmm. as we went to go nerd out and get our own drinks. And we came back and of course someone had bought her a drink. Mm-hmm. Your wife and you were guests of mine. Yeah. I was VIP. All of our drinks were covered. Yeah. So no one needed to buy her anything. Nope. But she got it anyway. She got it anyway. Proud of her. She's also very upset with Anthony Carboni. <laughs> <laughs> because she wanted a drink. That's right. And Anthony Carboni was too busy talking to somebody, whether it was fans or whatever, and he was in her way. <laughs> and she... she <laughs> I don't think she spoke of as a, hey, can you fucking move? No, she didn't. She did it because I'm pretty sure Anthony would have moved. But to this day... Well, here, because we, we know who Anthony Carboni is. She knows yeah. who Anthony Carboni is. I think she knows him from, like, the Nature Hates You old YouTube videos. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he works for uh, works, Star Wars now. He's on Star he Wars now. That. He did stuff, stuff for Discovery for a yeah. while. Great but, dude. Uh, <laughs> just, oh, I, I guess yeah. you, got, you, got, you got between me and my booze. <laughs> <laughs> she got taken care of. She's fine. All right, so they found Frobo. And Amaro does that thing where, like I said, he yells at her name. And then he's like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Hannah smiles because she's like, oh, this young man knows this young lady. Mm. Licks lips. <laughs> uh, I I think she's hoping for a three way. I don't know. They like I said, I'll remark that her federation or her uniform looks like a federation uniform. And Hammond says, I believe it's this young man's girlfriend. She again, can sort of again as if to add to the challenge, right? Like oh, it's on. <laughs> oh oh, I thought yeah. this was okay. We'll just rank up the difficulty a little bit here. I, All right, sure. I was just waiting Let's for play this on hard mode. I was just waiting mm, for. I know someone else is on hard mode. <laughs> Speaking of him, I, w- I was just waiting for Amaro to yell, she's not my girlfriend. He didn't do it, though. She's uh, my special lady friend, man. It's not what hey, you man, think. there's a beverage here. That's not what you think. Ron Baral sees that Hammond's putting this together, and, and he clearly sees that they're kids, and so he just orders that they let her go. And he kind of, he steps real close to Amaro, and he's like, you get the eyes of a soldier. And he gets so close to him, that he can see Amaro's hand move under like the cloak that he's wearing and slide down towards his waistband. Not to grab his penis, though. <laughs> uh, he has a gun tucked into his belt. And Rambaral's impressed. He's he's impressed by this. Like, that's fucking ballsy, kid. You're going to shoot me in front of all my troops here, right? And they let him go. But he basically tells him, like, if I ever see you on the battlefield, you're not going to get this courtesy. Rambaral's got some honor with him. He's a good man. Yeah. And he's going to continue to display that, too. He then sends out Zygen, 
again, just more named characters that don't matter, <laughs> uh, out to tail them back to white base. So he, he was one step ahead, right? He's like, all right, I'm going to let these kids go. And they think they're getting away. But also but, they're just kids. I'm going to yeah. send someone to fucking follow them. Yeah. And of course they're leaving in the buggy vehicle and they're fighting like husband and wife and Frabo goes, so you didn't want to hold hands with me back there because that lady was watching us. Right. And he goes, no, she goes liar. Right. Like they're just like, th- there's nothing fight about like, first off, you didn't have no opportunity to hold hands. Amro had his hand on a gun. You were being held hostage by these other, like, I don't- We were constantly 15 feet apart. When, when were we going to hold hands? What oh. the fuck, Frau? Oh, I see. No, when the pretty blonde ladies are around, you want to hold hands with me. I don't know how it played out in your head, but in my head, I knew he shot a dude. Okay. I thought, I thought we were going to die. <laughs> I just thought that was super funny. So. They go their separate ways. Amro's like, all right, um, drop me off here. And he gets out of the vehicle and then he, he sends her on her way. But Saigen tails her in a sweet motorcycle. Thanks, Ken. And he follows her back to White Base and then he radios back to Raleigh. He's like, hey, I, I found it. Frau gets on the ship and she's reporting to Bright and the crew about the goof that she saw in town. So she put two and two together. Those trucks that were outside, like big 18 wheelers, had the mobile suit in pieces on it. So they had snuck the mobile suit into this neutral territory. Right. Kai then asks like, Oh, did you see Abro in his snide snivelly fucking kide way? And make some comment about how like he probably sold them out to the Zeons. And Bright's like, Bright dude scolds him, but like, kind of like the not now. Yeah. They're not right now. Okay. <laughs> I can't handle any more of your shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's no physical correction this time. Uh, unfortunately. And once Rambaral and his troops get this word from Zygen, they're ready in the attack. They're assembling the goof. Yeah, the very the very goofy troop is coming yeah. together. Yep. <laughs> they cut to Amro and he's laying in the sun and he's like thinking about Haman and Raw. And it's like this weird nightmare thing that he's having. It's it just gets super intense. I don't know. I at first I thought like, oh, he's like I think it's just more PTSD. Yeah, it, yeah. it could have been. Um, not, but, to, not to be little PTSD, but it's more like dumb PTSD shit. Yeah. But then he sees the mobile suits around and he's like, oh shit, they're going after Frau. Like they followed her. And so he, I think this is when he kind of realizes like, oh, I'm going to have to man up, put my tail between my legs and take the gun back to defend my friends. So this battle starts out of nowhere. They must have been really close to each other. Rambaral is already lighting up Kai. He's using the heat rod and Kai's doing his normal shitting in his own pants routine and gun tank can't hit anything. It's almost like they're just reusing the plot and animation of previous episodes again. Uh, while gun tank is distracted trying to shoot the goof, Azaku damages it and takes out like one of the treads. So now they're just sitting ducks and one of the troops is like, we immobilize the, the tank. I'm going to take it out. And Rambaral's like, leave it. That's not what we're here for. Our job is to get on white base. Don't waste the ammo. In, in an effort to become even more useless, Hayato's like, I'm going to send Ryu out. <laughs> this is so stupid. Right? All this is stupid. The top of gun tank just comes out, so he's just a stationary turret. He's like, oh, I got some ammo. I'll be fine. And based, based on the frames of animation and like how the, the battlefield's been set up, I'm pretty sure he's facing the wrong way. He might be. He might be. Hopefully the thing rotates at least. I, I don't, don't know. think it does. It's, it's literally just the top of the core. It's not on anything. Well, how is it going to rotate? I don't know. <laughs> but I guess they just, they, when they made this modular design, they were like, everything's modular because toys. <laughs> so Hayato at least, or sorry, uh, Ryu at least is able to take off in a core fighter. Uh, Hayato's an idiot. And of course, uh, because Gundam is a solution to everything, Amaro is here to save the day. 
and he's uh, he, he's off like fighting the gallop. So the gallop is separate. It's got Hammond and Clem on it. He's fighting, and he uh, I think sticks him with the the Gundam lance, but. Ryu shows up. Six was some sort of toy. Accessory. Yeah, there's I don't know. I, it's a little blurry. At some point, one of the Zaku's gets behind White Base. I noted this is sketch <laughs> again because the names are important <laughs> and they notice that he's there. And so Bright orders Mirai to turn the engines on full blast and they melt this poor bastard. Yeah, he gets caught. And then, and then <laughs> Does the, the engine exhaust. Yeah. Then they do this really weird, stupid thing where, like, uh, Robert Raw is on top of White Base, like, just hammering on it. Like, I'm Mir- going to brute force this Mirai in. Mirai has this brilliant but bullshit She's like, I can, sh- I can shake him. Hold on. Shake him. I'm going to roll the entire spaceship. Yep. So she just flips White Base upside down. They reuse part of that animation from a previous episode where they did the crash landing mm-hmm. and everybody goes flying. That's they, right. They reused some of the frames from that. I noticed that. And they do successfully shake Rawl off, but it's just a stupid, armor, like... It, one of the, I think it's Armour look, like, looks over and like, what are they doing? Yeah. I, someone yeah, remarks. Someone makes a comment about what that. What the fuck are they doing? And they don't know that Ramba Rawl has been in a goof just literally just like banging his fist in the top of White Base. Like, <laughs> let me in! <laughs> uh, he falls, then gets into a struggle with Kai and the gun cannon. And just when it seems... And again, the gun cannon, not as swole. No, because Kai's in it. Because Kai's in it It's now. in pants shitting mode. Yeah. What now with real pants shitting action? <laughs> He's in a struggle with Kai, and it seems like Kai might actually yeah, eat it. Yeah, this point. Um, but Amro manages to shoot the beam rifle right through the heat rod, which sure. was kind of cool. But then the heat rod just comes back later, so I don't. I don't know. I guess it's infinitely generating. Whatever. It's a, it's a kids that get you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then he he. They're like, all right, we're gonna get into like a lightsaber battle. So Amaro's got his beam saber out and Rawl pulls out like this, like, I don't know. It looked like a knife made of heat. It's, a it's heat, like a, it's a heat sword. It's yeah. a heat S word. Yeah, pretty much. Heat scimitar. <laughs> and they, they go at it a little bit and they each, this is when they each sever open the cockpit of each other. So they, they get this one move where they're like, we know where the pilots are on mobile suits and yeah. we're going for it. And they don't hit each other, but the cockpits of, you know, the bellies of the Gundams get ripped open and then they can see each other and they know. They very much have that moment that reminds me of that dumb Spider-Man meme where they're just both pointing at each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, oh shit, it's you. It's you. And it's, it's super <laughs> funny because it holds on that. Like they're in the middle of a fight and then they stop and it like pauses on this and they have a whole conversation yep. before they re-engage. And Rambaral tries to take one more swing. And Amaro is faster and manages to lob off the arm of the goof. I don't know how they have an entire conversation. I can only imagine the noise in the background, whether it's white base blasting shit off or the sound of both of their own engines. Yeah, I would assume Gundam's but, but even, even stationary are probably but, very loud when they're on. But they're not like yelling at each other. They're just having a casual. I imagine like, what? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> You're the guy. And you yeah. were at the restaurant the earlier. Restaurant. I saw you in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, I don't know. No, I'm, right? Robert, your yeah. wife's hot. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to bone. <laughs> Can I get her numbers? Now, now, now is not the time. I no, get it. Now no, is not the time. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> but look, you know where to find me. <laughs> I'm here in the Gundam. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> during this exchange, I looked away for a second because I was noting about how long it was. And then Rambaral is Tarzan swinging out of the, he's got like a, a, a rope or like a, a wire or a cable of some sort. Mm-hmm. He's attached to the Gundam. He's like shot it out, I guess. And suddenly he's in full on Tarzan mode and he swings through the Gundam's legs and lets go and lands in the desert sand. And before Amaro can even react, the goof just self-destructs 
and kind of like pushes the Gundam back like, oh shit. So he doesn't take the Gundam out in probably the way that he was hoping he might. I think he was hoping like Amuro was going to go for like a finishing blow and then the explosion was going to get him. But he does manage to escape and that's kind of the end of the battle. So in the next scene, Amuro gets locked up in the brig by Bright. There's an exchange. Yeah, they don't fuck around. Immediately in the brig. They're like, yep, going to the brig. Amuro's kind of still not getting it. What the fuck, man? Yeah, he's like, Ronaral's going to attack. You're just going to have to let me out anyway because I'm the Gundam pilot. He's acting like an asshole and no one wants to listen to him. And they all just sort of walk away. And Bright even makes her like, I think the first remark he made is like, I can't forgive you for what you did for the crew's morale. Yeah. Above all else. Right. You really fucked with that. Yeah. Even Frau here, who has been sympathetic to Amro, probably a lot more than he's deserved. She hears him in his cell. He's banging on the cell. He starts to cry and he, and he's like yelling to Frau and Selah and Bright. He's like, I have things I want to say to you. And she hears him and she stops for a second and then she just walks away. So even Frau at this point is like, I'm giving up. Like he's got to, he's got to calm, calm down, calm down and get his shit together. He's gonna, he's do, he, they're all do the thing that I do to my five-year-old son when he's flipping his shit. I'll talk to him when he's calm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very much that. And then he has this moment where he has a flashback to the conversation with Raw, where Raw makes a comment to him about like, not to be so full of himself. The only reason he was even able to best Rumble Raw at all is because of the capabilities of the Gundam it has nothing to do with him. Really trying to take a shot at his confidence. Like, you didn't do this. The Gundam did this. Remember that. Yeah, and this is something Amro's been struggling with for a, a yeah. bit now, trying to figure out whether he's skilled or the the Gundam's skilled. Right. And they, early, early, early on, even Ryo makes a comment, like one of the earlier episodes. Yep. Well, don't give the suit all the credit. You know? Oddly enough, when they're in a brig. <laughs> that's when they've, uh, they've all made it to the, the, yeah, the right. lunar base. Yeah. And then he just sort of has this moment where like, He's like, I'm going to, I got to beat him. Like I, I, you know, I've, I've got to beat him. And it reminded me of how he acted with Char, uh, specifically during the re-entry episode where he's just so focused on, I got to take Char out. I have to be better than him that if the Gundam didn't have its cool space re-entry poncho, he would have burned up and died. Right. Right. Just trash bag. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end of that episode. Which leads us into episode 20, the final episode we'll be discussing. Hand-to-hand combat, which is not a good episode title, but it is a better episode title than the translation from the Japanese, which is Deadly Battle! White Base. Four episodes, Sean! Yeah. I get that this is supposed to be an arc, and so there's some continuity, but come the fuck on. Four episodes with that same gun parry animation in the the mid-air conversion, and um, oh, I was at this point, I was like, oh, you're not tricking me anymore. I know I'm on the right episode. <laughs> This one opens up with Mirai stitching like an old woman and Sayla and Bright are like relaxing on some sweet blankets. Like they're having a little picnic on, on the bridge. On, yeah. On, on the, the bridge. bridge. Of my face. I don't know. <laughs> and they're discussing how the message they received said they need to stay put basically until Odessa day. I was happy about this. They mentioned that Oscar and marker, which are the two operators need some time off. And Bright's like, they might be the hardest workers on the ship. To which I wrote, they fucking are. Yeah. And they get no recognition. They sit up there in the little perch. They're constantly monitoring everything, giving info out to the crew, communicating with everybody. Anytime They have to be on constant lurks. Anytime the enemy shows up, they're the first response, right? Yep. And I'm pretty sure they never even get to leave. They don't even get bathroom breaks up there. <laughs> <laughs> right? They need, they need to unionize. But I just thought this was funny that they were like, yeah, they, they're, they're the hardest workers here. Let, let's hear it for Oscar Marker. Just really for the, the operators, right? The white pace operators. Frau is in Amaro's cell. Guess what she's doing? 
just take a guess. What are what are the like three things that I, that Frau does? It can only be one of those, right? Bitching about Armoro mm-hmm. not sleeping and or eating. Eating. There you go. There you got it. Ah, That's it the one. <laughs> She's trying to get him to eat, but he just wants to talk about how Ramba Rao's coming back and he needs to pilot the gun him anyway. But Ryu says, Ryu's out there and he says like, I'll fucking do it if it comes to it. Like, you're not going to pilot the Gundam just because, you know, you're Mr. Big Shot here. What do you say about that? Yeah. And Armour's like, well, and Armour's, well, like I'll just leave, I guess. Yeah. I, like, I, if you don't need me, then as soon as I get out of here, I'm just going to leave because we don't care about each other anymore, do we? Rio opens the door, storms in, and fucking punches him he in does, the face. He does. This is not a slap. This is a close fist punch. So this knocks is, him out. This does not. Yeah, he cold cocks him. And Amaro even makes a remark. It was either in the subs or he might he might have been in the dub, but he makes a remark like, "Oh, Ryu hit me with full force, right? Like he he did oh, not hold back." Oh, you really mean it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ryu brings up Lieutenant Matilda here. He's like really trying to get to Amaro. He's like, there was a time when Lieutenant Matilda said, you might have some psychic powers and I thought she might be right, but I'm starting to question that now and you need to stop acting like a little bitch. And Amaro gets kind of pissed off at Ryu for invoking Matilda's name in front of him. How dare you? (laughs) He's like, why can't you, you know, use your own words or whatever? I don't know. He just makes some like shitty comment that he's, he's basically telling Ryu like, I don't care what Matilda thinks. Tell me what you think. You son of a bitch. But it, um, but instead, it does not nearly come across as I'm I'm assuming as cool. Amaro thinks it's is. no. It's like, well, yeah, well, your mom. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your face. Oh, you just got served. Bird. Who's the psychic now? <laughs> just oh no, you you look stupid. <laughs> it's not Hayato's in the blanket party, and he. I want to be in a white base blanket know, party, right? He tells Bright, like, hey, you only put Amuro in the brig to wait until he comes to the sense, his senses so you can use him on Gundam. And Bright's like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's, pretty much. that's pretty much what I do. I'm not going to kill him. Like, he could have defected to the Zeons, but he didn't. So yep. still trying to figure out what the fuck to do with him. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> kind of, that's kind of what he's pondering is like, okay, he's clearly not traitorous. He's yeah. just being a little bitch, right? He, he absolutely could have turned Gundam over. He's at least... Even when he's separated from the unity, he's still trying to do the right thing. His mm-hmm. his heart's in the right place. He's just stupid. Rio comes on the bridge because they're all, they, they're all talking about Amara. Rio comes on the bridge. Bright kind of says something to the fact like, "Don't you agree, Rio?" Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> as, if, he's like, as if he heard the entire conversation. Yeah. Oh, we're talking about Amara, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. No, yeah, he says Amara. I just fine. knocked him. Yeah. knocked him off his shoes. Amara will be fine. He'll be fine. He'll, he'll, he'll fine. get his shit together. He won't be able to see straight for a week. <laughs> But he'll be fine. He's gonna be pissing blood for three days, but he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> he's in a cell picking up his teeth right now, but he'll be okay. He'll be all right. Do we not get free dental as a as the Federation? No. no. Uh, no. Oh, well, well, not that. He's gonna talk funny from now on, but he'll be fine. You're gonna have to feed him through a straw, <laughs> but at least he'll eat. He'll be fine. Good news is you wide as Josh and you can't fucking say anything. Can't talk back to you anymore. Every time I think this bit is over, it just keeps going. I love it. I love it. He'll be, he'll be fine. He'll be, he'll be fine. So we're back with Rambaral, and he's received a message from Dozel that Doms are incoming. He's going to get some reinforcements. We don't which, know what Doms are yet. That's right. Right. I know what they are. You don't. Uh- <laughs> he's going to get some Doms, Dominatrixes. I yep, don't know. Some tops. So, <laughs> fin Doms, something. Maybe maybe a power bottom. Hammond's <laughs> <laughs> <Hyman's> bored. <laughs> Hammond's requested the domes. <laughs> we cut to Makuve's base and he's just being creepy Makuve. And he 
remarks to his like second in command guy who I wrote here as Unibrow man because he's got very thick eyebrows. I, I don't know his name, but he very much does not want Giran or Kaecilia to know what's going on. Like they can't know what we're doing. Mm. And Rambaral already knows too much. So your job now is to make sure he, I've, I don't think he spells it out. He basically says, you know what to do, don't you? Or something along those lines. And he's like, yeah, but like, that's kind of fucked up, bro. <laughs> like, that's, he's like, don't worry. Rumble Raw won't know a thing. And so I'm inferring here. I, I don't know. And it has not been made clear that he wants Raw dead to protect some secret of these minds. Raw, he assumes knows something. So he's hoping that Rumble Raw will fuck up and just die. And then he can just like wash his hands of Rumble Raw being around. Like maybe there's all kinds of ancient Chinese vases down there yep, and he wants to just like what it is. fondle and gawk at them and go, <laughs> oh yes, Shin Dynasty. Ding. Yeah, I don't know. But he's very much instructed his second in command through the inference here to somehow sabotage this Dom delivery. Very much mafia speak. Mm, like, like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you know what, you know. You know what I'm telling you to you do, know. right? Yeah. Uh, take him for a ride. Plausible you deniability I mean. because I'm not telling you what to do, but, but you know. If you come back and the thing is it done that I need to be done, there's going to be some problems. Yeah. He'll be fine, but he won't be. <laughs> but he'll be fine. Back on white base. So, so Michael Cullen goes out and sabotages the Zoms as, as uh, Mukube Trump is ordered. That's exactly. <laughs> Just take care of it. You know, Just take care of it. I'm not telling you what to do, but you know what to do. Mm-hmm. Back on white base, Sailor is waking up Ryu to tell him that Hayato, Kai, Howard, and Maximilian have yeah. taken off. Yep. No idea who Howard or Maximilian is. And Ryu has this angry dad moment where he's like, what the fuck is going on with all these shitty kids? Like, what are you doing? So he's like, I'm going to drag these assholes back if I have to. And so he, he takes off in another one of those buggies. Yeah. Mira runs out. He's like, I want to go with you. And ah, uh, do it. Yeah. <laughs> takes off. Yep. There's this conversation here w- between Bright and Mirai that he's telling her that when Amuro left, he suddenly felt very uneasy about being commander. Now, this is funny because he's always seemed uneasy as commander to me, but the fact that he had to express this explicitly to Mirai for no real reason, he's like, what do you think that means? You tell people's fortunes, don't you, Mirai? Isn't that what the Yashima family does? Aren't he, you fortune tellers? He follows this up, too. He's like, I also felt uneasy. Like, I need you to agree with me. Yeah, he, he says, I think there's something remarkable about you, too, yeah. I believe, or his words. I'm like, uh, okay, uh, I guess. I like, guess. Is this a sex thing? I'm I, pretty sure you're already giving it to her. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, you're remarkable. But I felt uneasy when Amuro left. Is that weird? <laughs> Read my palm. Tarot card? Something. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like. Hey, what, are, what are the two news at the bottom of my tea set? What right. did I say? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I gathered out of this is that. Uh, Ryu brought up what Matilda said, mm-hmm. which was Amro. There's like something special about you. I think you're psychic, which he he brushed off, right? And Ryu says like I I believed Lieutenant Matilda, and maybe he's not bluffing there. Maybe he did. Maybe he does. And so I'm kind of wondering if like that's the connection that everyone's making right now. Like Amro has some sort of power. He's he's clearly he picks up things very quickly, right? Like he pilots the Gundam in a way that nobody else can. So I guess Sela is honestly kind of our proof that it's not the suit. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, right? She takes yeah. off in the suit and she struggles with it. it it's, it's the it's like Amaro is like a new type of person, right? Hey, there's something <laughs> there's something going on with him. And so I'm wondering, he's if, a new type. 
Okay, fine. They're just just say banging over the head. He's a new type. Okay, fine. Yes. I'm aware of new types. <laughs> He's a space okay. Jedi. It's fine. Yeah. I'm aware that new types are a thing. <laughs> They're uh, part of this whole universal century thing. Yeah, right? He's an Esper. <laughs> right. Yes. An ESP. And so I'm wondering if Bright can somehow sense that or has a hunch about that. And also maybe Mirai's a new type. Maybe that's what he is trying to piece together here. Just a thought. Or he has the hop for Amuro. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so Rambo Rawl is waiting for his doms. But instead, he gets a surprise visit from some of Makuve's men. I don't know if they destroyed the doms or if they're just lying to him here. But they're like, yeah, they got destroyed outside Central Asia. Sorry, they're not coming. It's very unfortunate. Yeah. Sorry, bad news. Um, the doms are going to be late. I'm just as upset as a- you are. As in never. They're not coming. Oh, uh, yeah. They can- the doms sorry. canceled. No, all three of them. Yeah. Dom one, two, and three. They all canceled. I'm sorry. They couldn't make it. Traffic is terrible. <laughs> They send their condolences. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Bye. Ta-ta for now. Uh, and so then Rawl makes this comment to the soldier where he's like, ah, that's fine. I'll use my bare hands if I have to. I don't care. Like, we'll get this done. And you tell Makuve that. And it's not in a way that he's like, I still don't think Rambo Rawl knows. Nope. It's more of pride. It's yeah. Like, it's like, no, you, you tell, tell Makuve, Makuve that I'll I'm- use my bare hands. Yeah. I don't need these doms. So then Rambo Rawl kind of turns to Clump and he's like, ah, what do you say? Clump, uh, guerrilla warfare? That's what we do, right? That's our thing. And he's like, yes, yes. I really think your men would love it. Yes, I think your men would love it. He's got a weird, <laughs> yeah. uh, weird snivelly Yeah, voice. him and Ty are related somehow. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, they love gorillas like, and war. It's probably the same voice actor who it did Skeletor. I just, I, <laughs> yeah! It could be. <laughs> Ryu has now caught up to all of the children, and they're apparently they're pissed because Amuro's back. So Hayato tells him, like, we're going to go join another Federation unit. Hayato's being a little shit here. He's like, picked up Amuro's habits of like, oh yeah, but well, you guys don't need us. You just use Amuro for everything. So as soon as you have the break, we're going to be useless. So we're leaving. Bye. This is where Ryu uses violence to his benefit again. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's like, <laughs> I'm going to flip this fucking vehicle. Howard and Maximilian are smart. They disappear for some frames of animation. <laughs> and then at the end of all this, uh, they're sitting in the back seats. They have not moved. They allow <laughs> Ryu to discipline Kai and Hayato. Yeah. Uh, they've but they've kept their like, mouth shut. Yep. Okay, no, we're going back. We just thought, like, we wanted to be part of the crew, you know, for this one episode. We wanted Sailor to say our names really badly. <laughs> now, Ramba Rawl is planning the attack, and he's got, like, his cool little Gundam action figures. His little tabletop Gundam yep. game. He's like, okay, guys, Warhammer. Time to do this. <laughs> I painted these figurines myself. All right, we're going we're gonna to roll for initiative. <laughs> yep. And then we're going to come in behind with the Kiwis. I don't know what a QE is at this point. I mean, I do now, but I didn't then did when yeah, I wrote we, this. We did it. Yeah. And I was like, I guess we're going to find out. Um, so they've decided to put Hammond in control of the Gallop and Sean. Once again, we have a situation here where I am unclear <laughs> as to the role of the ladies on some of the Xeon ships. We know flat out Isolina was a civilian. She was not Xeon. Her dad did not like Xeon. She was in love with Garma. And she, I guess, tricked Dorado into like, hey, what if you just gave me command? Mm-hmm. Right. What's the deal here? Is him in military? Is she banging all these dudes? Is are they I, just? Are they clearly respect her. Don't get me wrong. Her. And I'm not saying that she doesn't deserve it, but she does not appear to be uniformed. She does not go onto the onto the battlefield. Yet they are leaving her in command in Rambaral's absence. Yep. And no one has any objections. No one's objecting. Okay. <laughs> all right. Just curious. They treat her as if she has all the same rank and privilege as Rambaral. Yeah, pretty much. Because 
they probably yeah. all want a chance. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm right. Cause that was Dorado's thing, right? Was he's like, Oh, you're so pretty Selena. Like, uh, maybe if I take her to war and we avenge Garma, then in a confused moment, she'll be like, Oh, I love you. <laughs> it all boils down to sex. Dude, uh, like, you can call me Garma in bed. I don't care. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so their plan is they're going to board white base rather than take the route of like, all right, we're going to destroy white base from the outside. They're going to do it from the inside. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess this right here is the scene where Ryu then is he's throws throwing Kai to the ground, and I'm like, fuck yeah, Ryu, Kai sucks, beat some sense into this motherfucker. Hayato says like, you can't he's like, hit us. Yeah, it's I don't know something about you can't use violence as a solution to everything or whatever. Some and Ryu's like, like, I'm what? gonna hit you guys until yeah. you come back. He's like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna hit you until you change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bigger than you. You guys are being assholes and I don't have time for this. I was like, you can't just hit us to get your way. And we was like, yes, I can. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're going to submit. Watch me. <laughs> <laughs> They're interrupted though, because the Zeons uh, are approaching. They notice this. This is where we see the QEs. They're like tanks that have three treads on them and they're triangle shape. Yeah. Kai and then Kai remarks that, Oh, I think those are tanks dedicated for ground troops. Yeah. And on the back of them, they carry like rows of troops are just like hanging on. Yep. There's like five or 10 troops, like across one of these things, just mm-hmm. hanging on. I do not understand this design. These troops are all exposed. I understand that a triangle is a very stable. No, Rob, Rob Rao is really into it. Like, the, <laughs> ah, the wind through a hair. This yeah. is what war should be. I love the QE. Again, stubborn old war horse. Yeah. <laughs> So all the kids head back. I remarked, I think at one point here that Howard and Maximilian, I was like, where are they? I don't even see them anymore. Yeah, this, I'm pretty sure they just didn't draw this them in the, in the hammer space and yeah. then out of hammer space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just didn't draw them for some of the frame, like some of the camera angles. They just, cause they were sitting in the back the whole time, but they yeah. just like didn't draw them. So it was like, I don't see, Oh, there they are. Okay. They're back. <laughs> there were four of them. Right? Uh, oh, okay. They're there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then back on white base, Amro's eating and Frau's not there begging him to do it. It's like he knows Raul is coming and he, he's like, I got to get my energy up. The way the, the way the scenes are cut, because we cut to Ramba on, on approach. I think that's why actually he says the line about winning his hair. Cut back to armor. who's eating. Fucking shit's about to happen. Yep. Almost, Again, this plays into the psychic aspect of it, yeah. right? Because as this is happening, the alarm starts setting on white you base. Almost, you almost thought like a montage was going to happen and you're going to hear like, I need a hero. <laughs> but is he eating, right? <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hammond is, I guess, just sort of having some exposition out loud about how like Amaro must be the Gundam's pilot. And he's such a nice boy, but let's see how he fights. Yeah. She puts two and two together. Yeah. Outside of. She's just Raul. in the gallop and she's yeah. just like thinking out loud, like, oh, that must be who is piloting the Gundam. Mm-hmm. It's in my, a weird. In, in my fantasy, that's who's yeah, piloting right? the Gundam. <laughs> yeah. Let's see how he fight. Like she, like she wants to see Raw and Amaro fight for her pleasure and then she'll take whoever wins. I don't know. <laughs> and devour them whole like a praying mantis. <laughs> <laughs> then back in the cell, Amro is just shadow boxing now. No reason. He's just like, huh, huh, huh. I guess that's how he warms up. Oh, yeah. Part of the montage. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Oh man. <laughs> well, all right. Now we make this cut. We have to make this cut. The crew's all getting to their stations. The alarm's going off and they start firing on the gallop. But just as they take off, there's a Zaku on them. And so Sela's going out in the Gundam again. They have, they have to send Sela out because they're like, nope, Ryu's not here because he went to go get the kids. And we got a Zaku like trying to take out our engines and uh, Sela, you go. Mm-hmm. At some point here, Frabo gets instructed to let Amuro out by Bright. And they've decided, okay, we're not putting him on Gundam because we don't trust him, but we will put him on the port side guns. 
And he, armor, he needs to do something. And he's okay with He's it. actually fine with it. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't put up a fit. He doesn't say anything snarky. No. In fact, he's extremely helpful. Yeah. He starts to help. He instructs Selah on like adjustments that she should make. And she starts taking on Zaku's. And he's like, fuck yeah, you did it. Right. Like he's. Yeah. So he's decided in this moment, uh, maybe he just needed a meal. He's hangry. But he's decided he's, he's had his beans for the last three days. <laughs> <It's true. so. laughs> he's decided I'm going to be cooperative and part of the team again. And Ryu and the rest of the kids are now speeding in their vehicles back. And this is where we get the epic. They're they're uh, they're on like a hill above White Base. And White Base is in like a gulch of sorts, a trench. And he's like, fuck it. We're jumping onto White Base. There's a, ah! there's a, there's a great, fantastic YouTube video. I'll someone, put it in. I'll put it in the notes of this episode where someone has remixed this line over and over again. Over and over again yeah. to like a song. We're jumping on a white base. <laughs> ah! We're jumping. On it's, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty. It's it's very badass. Uh, so yeah, they literally just like land the buggies on top of white base. Yeah. They, yep. In in a pretty heroic badass display of badassery. Ramba Rall and his troops are now, they're jumping off the QEs and they take off in their cool little jetpacks. And I wrote you here that you can tell they're the bad guys because their jetpacks aren't yellow, they're gray. <laughs> <laughs> they're boarding the ship and apparently we have like laser auto rifles now. I like, don't think they're laser. Amuro and, I, I don't know if it's Kai, but like Amuro has an actual like a rifle and they're shooting, like everyone is shooting down at the troops that are coming up and they're shooting lasers at them. So I think they're animated as lasers. I do not think they are lasers. Is this like a Starship Troopers thing where it's like, oh, we went into space, we found aliens, but we're still using bullets for everything? I think it's more of a, uh, we need to get past the sensors and we can't show on a kid's show. Oh. This is why Gia Joe has lasers. Oh, I never yeah. even put that together. The only- I just thought it was because lasers were The cool. only things that have lasers in this show at this moment, particularly in this era of the UC, are the Federation mobile suits. Uh, the ships, too? And the, and the, sh- and the I, ships. I feel like- but the Federation's been able to get the laser technology to, down into the beam rifle, done, down into a beam rifle package. Yeah. Same thing with the swords and the, and the beam javelin and all that shit. So that's okay. kind of a Fetty tech. Okay. So this at is this, at this specific moment, later on, Zion gets their hands on some beam tech. You're such a UC expert here. Yeah, I don't know math, but, <laughs> but I know this. Those are those, they're fire bullets. <laughs> they, um, yeah, they're boarding the ship. And so they're, they're getting shot at and Clem, gets on and he, he plants explosives on one of the windows to like break it open. And this is like, like Kika comes up to the window and she's like banging on it. Like, you oh, know, hey, big yeah. Big guy and clubs. Like, he's like, dude, you get away. Why are there fuck? kids on the yeah, ship? What the no fuck? Idea there were kids there. Luckily Mirai shows up just in time to grab Kika before the explosive goes off and mm-hmm. gets her out of the range of it. I noted here. I think it might've been Selah, but apparently Job has a second name, which is John. <laughs> he's Job John. <laughs> I don't know. Joe John to the front. Clump charges in, but he gets lit up for his trouble. He, uh, he, Clump does not make it. No. And then, and then I've now corrected his name here. Percy was Blondie. Then he was Howard. Now he is Blonde Howard. Blonde Howard. And he looks rather rad here, but I'm pretty sure in a like frame of animation that I missed, oh, he got, dead. he got taken up by oh, gunfire. He, oh, he got, got, He looked pretty cool. He had his rifle and yeah. his hair was like kind of, he had like kind of a shower vibe going with the yeah, hair a little bit. But then he got, got. And then it's like Bright's coming around a corner and there's a dead Federation soldier and I just assumed it was him. So I, I think he, I think he got shot. Raw and his men are shooting this place the fuck up. Like, like it's like Goodfellas or Scarface or something. They're just like, fucking everywhere. Bullets, gunfire. It reminded me of that time that Char came into White Base with his cool little Viewmaster that he had. And he's yeah, taking he, he came for, to the hangar. Yeah, he came into the hangar and, and everyone's just like shooting at him and no one can hit him. Yeah. Right? Like Rumber Ross troops, I mean, they're hitting people, but it just reminded me of that of like just gunfire everywhere. There's just 
like a everyone, rain of everyone there went to the, like the Empire Academy yes, for shooting guns right. and just completely missed. Just beaten, <laughs> beaten by Ewoks. <laughs> Frau runs into Rambaral and she pulls a gun on him. And this is where I wrote, what a good noble dude. Okay. He fucking knocks the gun out of her hand. And there's a slight difference between the dub and the subs, but the gist of what he says is that if she's carrying a gun, he'll have to suit. Oh, actually, no, I wrote it here. He knocks it, out of, it knocks it out of her hand and he says he'll have to shoot her if she carries a gun. In the subtitles, he said, if you were armed, I'd kill you. Go hide somewhere. Yeah. So that's there's a just that slight difference. But he disarms he very her much disarms goes, her as like, if you had a gun, I would have to kill you. You don't now. You don't. So now. go. <laughs> right. Because you don't now. And you didn't a minute ago. <laughs> right. Go to your room. Go to your room. Go to your room. <laughs> uh, and and that was just like awesome, dude. Awesome, dude. Just to the end. Amaro's a scrappy little fuck here. <laughs> he he like shoulder tackles the guy. And he's like getting into a fight with Zeon soldiers that are much larger than he is. And I don't know if he's just trying to like prove everybody wrong or whatever, but um, he's lucky that Bright shows up because Bright pistol whips the motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Pow! He's about to get got. Yeah. So Ross continuing to try and sabotage the ship and Salem bursts out from behind him and he, and he freezes. He stops cold because and he says, he, recognizes he does her. recognize her. He says, your highness. So Shar is Sayla's brother, Sean. Yep. Rambaral has informed us that Sayla is a princess. Mm-hmm. This would qualify Shar as a prince. Yep. Principality of Zeon works fine. My gripe is now gone. It's been completed. I mean, don't ruin I, I could ruin it. No, don't. No, because now it makes sense. There, 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 for a principality to exist, there should be a prince, and there is. Yeah, Case but, closed. But, but, nope. but Thagwin don't do didn't it. declare it a principality. Uh, don't do it. Thag- Thagwin didn't. Nope. They explained away my gripe, Sean. Why do you have to keep doing this? <laughs> <laughs> it bothered me the entire show. They've explained it away. <laughs> but they kind of did. They did. But, but, well, they, I'll explain it, I guess, later. <laughs> <laughs> Shut your warm up. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> Rambaral has the same exact reaction that Shar had, although he's more sure of it. This is Artesia. And he's like, Do you remember me at all? My name is Rambaral, son of Jimbaral, who served under your father, Lord Zeon Daikun. So we now know who the father is. We also know who Rambaral's father is. And she has this brief flashback to Jimba, I believe, holding her up as a young child, like in the air, you know, like I said, a little kid. And she retorts to Raw, like, well, if I'm Artesia, what are you doing pointing a gun at me? And Raw is like, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. And he's like, how did you get here? Before they can have any more of exchange, Ryu's rushing down the hall and tells Sailor to get out of the way. And he shoots Ramba Raw and he hits Ramba Raw in the shoulder. And Rambaral retaliates by shooting Ryu in the stomach. In the gut. Yeah. It did not look good. Ryu goes down. He's still firing. He's not yep. down and out, but he's down. Rambaral manages to get behind a blast door at this point and to the comms room where he's got a couple other soldiers there and he instructs them to contact Hammond and call off the rest of the mission because they failed. He has kind of a lame line here. At least I thought it was lame. In the middle of a fight. Rambaral forgot the fight. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The last sentence he's trying to get through is he says, but you should know about Artesia. And before he can say anything else, Amuro, who is now in the Gundam, he blasts a hole through the side of that room and the communications are knocked out. And Raw is now alone and face to face with the Gundam. Mm-hmm. He has this slow plodding walk towards the Gundam and Bright and the rest of the crew burst into the room. And Raw tells them that they've fought splendidly. And then he says, but now you'll see the ultimate fate that awaits true warriors. I want you to watch closely. 
and he pulls a grenade off his belt and he pulls the pin. And in his very last moments, he jumps off the side of white base mm-hmm. in an attempt to do some damage to yeah. and he white screams base and, and the it gun. sounds like goofy. <laughs> No, um, <laughs> you ruined it. I was having this dramatic buildup. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Jumps off the side. It lands in the Gundam's hand. Blows up. <laughs> you, you fucking ruined it. I did. <laughs> it's okay. Well, yeah. He's, uh, in, he's in the goof. And it's, it's no, it's, like he's, uh, I got it. But <laughs> I liked Ramba Raw a lot. And yeah. he has this moment he's here kind of, where he's like, this is all I can do. Like you guys fought great. And he's trying to do some damage on his way out. He knows he's dead either way. Mm. And Amuro even tries to save him. Like he sees him falling and he tries to catch him, but that and he's not he about, does not know that he has Raw's uh, not about to be taken alive. No, no. And he, he literally blows up in Amuro or, or in the Gundam's hand. Hammond and the Gallop are, are lighting up the Gundam. And this is where they get lanced. Yeah, but apparently the gallop has this cool design where like the whole bridge ejects it's a ship. Yeah, Gundam turns around, throws the lollipop at the gallop. Yeah. Um <laughs> shit's going off in the gallop, and Hammond's like, eject the bridge. Yep. And we're like, what? And the whole bridge is just the a ship side that just comes on, on the, the side, side of the gallop. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> it's kind of cool. <laughs> this credit card slot on the side of it and flies out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And she asks as they're flying away if there's been any word from Rumble Raw since that last transmission, and there has not. And so she sort of just accepts in this moment that he d- did not make it. The very last scene here, we see Bright, Sela, Kai, and someone else who I couldn't tell from the animation carrying someone on a stretcher that I assume is Rio, mm-hmm. um, who was shot earlier. And it's not clear whether Ryu is alive or not at this point. And that's where this episode ends. So we've lost Rumble Raw. We've potentially lost Ryu. It, this is a pretty sad run, honestly, for both sides. Um, it's about to get sadder. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I know we, I talked about it a little bit with you, but Rambaral has been the first Zeon character that is not in some way a sociopath or shitbag. Yes. He's not out for himself. He's very selfless. You and know, he has that moment where he's talking about like he wants that double promotion for his troop, not for him, for his troops and, and for Hammond. Anyone in Zeon who had at one point been loyal to the Daikun family mm-hmm. are not complete shitbags. Anyone who is suddenly very loyal to the Zabi family tends to be self-motivated. Gotcha. Douchebags. Sad to lose him. He was cool, dude. Anyway, that's, that's the end of this run of episodes. Uh, I'm really digging. This is a, this was a much better run than the last. Yeah. The last five. one, the last one started off strong and then ended incredibly weak. 14 and 15 are rough episodes. 15 in particular, which is obviously why but you're so on board and you seem excited about it. So you're happy. Yeah. This, this, this whole last episode played like a short war film, like the whole, I mean, there's, it's almost all action. It's all cutting back between like, here's our plan. This is what we're going to do. There's, there's betrayal in it. I mean, like it's, this is all, this is very well done. Episode 20 is very good. This is probably my favorite episode to this point. Mm-hmm. We are, we are about halfway through. Yep. We have a, a good chunk to get through next time and another a good set of episodes to get through. If you like this episode, you're going to like the next five, I think. Well, the next one's called Sorrow and Hatred, so I'm sure that one's going to go real well. Thank you again for joining me, mm-hmm. as always. I want to let you guys know, if once a week's not enough for you, well, we get it. That's why this isn't all that Sean and I do. Uh, we also share a Twitch channel where we've mostly been, just been broadcasting retro games lately. I kept saying space and retro games, but it's mostly just retro games lately. Uh, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you can give us a follow at twitch.tv slash the voxelist and check out what we're up to over there. As we're recording, we just started our run of Final Fantasy 7. Yeah, it's been uh, fun so far. Again, doing dumb voices. Yeah. So 
If you'd like to, you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Voxelists. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin Meter and Sean at The Action Boots. If you have questions, comments, corrections, you want to write us your fanfic about Ramba Rall and Hammond, you can send those in an email to uh, podcast at thevoxlist.com. And of course, as always, if you are feeling generous and you would like to support the show, you can do so by making a contribution over at anchor.fm slash three times faster. And I promise not to spend all of the money on manga. Thank you again for joining us. And we'll see you again next week where we'll cover episodes 21 through 25.